Centuries ago, the Malian emperor Mansa Musa sent his best and brightest scholars, explorers, warriors, and artisans across the great western ocean to discover new lands. They were never heard from again. Until now. Join creative director Tanya DePass as Invicta, the High and Old Blade Keeper, DJ Knight as Ikemba, the Musalian Bio-Priest, Michael Sinclair II as Ilai, the Misajai Lightbringer, Christina Ariel as Sila 919, the Monsagene Bio-Priest, and Eugenio Vargas as the Storyteller, as they travel the stars, defend their homes, and treat everyone they meet luxuriously. Welcome to the Motherlands. Happy Sunday, happy time zone. Welcome back to episode nine of Into the Motherlands. My name is Eugenio. Uh, you might know me as DM Jazzy Hands, and I am your storyteller for this evening. And I'm so happy to have you all back. I can't believe it's already been nine episodes. That means including this one, we got four left and lots and lots to do. Uh, but I have already delayed too long in introducing you to these fantastic four humans that are going to be playing with us tonight. Uh, so let's go ahead and go around and do uh, player intros. Let's start tonight with Christina, if we can. Let us know who you are and who you're playing tonight. Hi, my name is Christina Ariel, and I'm going to be playing Captain Sila 919. She's a Mansagane A bio priest and droid lady. And she's really growing as a not person. But it's really fantastic, and this journey is really great. So I'm really looking forward to going, finding out what happens on the moon. It's not made of cheese. It's not. And, and well, jury's still out on whether it's haunted, which I saw was a very popular chat opinion. <laughs> oh, and Silas' mechanics change with their hair. You've oh, been yeah. forewarned. I can't wait to find out more about it. I mean, make up more about it. I mean, uh, moving on. Uh, let's go ahead and go clockwise around uh, the overlay, which means we're going down to Michael. Uh, hello, folks. It's uh, Michael Singler II. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. I play Ili. Their pronouns are they, them. Uh, yeah, just super excited to get started today and uh, see some people's backstories, because that's always great. Spoilers. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> No, not at all. I'm excited about it too. Uh, and so should everyone be. Continuing around clockwise, DJ, hello. Hi, I'm DJ Knight. I, uh, my pronouns are he, him, full-time space and sci-fi streamer. I play Akemba, I'm a Salian bio-priest, whose pronouns are he, him as well. Uh, he's very sad that the moon is not made of cheese. Because give me more cheese. Is That's he? pretty much it. Oh, is he Akemba, ready for more? Of course. Akemba's always okay. down for cheese. Hence, cheese sweats. Like, you don't get the cheese sweats if you don't like cheese. Well, that's fair. <laughs> I love it. All right, we'll see what we can do to find you some more cheese before we're done today. Last but most, <laughs> last but most certainly not least, Tanya. Hello, I'm your high and all blade keeper who's always a little grumpy and, you know, paints her nails with her friends on occasion, uh, Invicta. And my actual name is Tanya Seifertier. And both Sila, or I, oh my God, I said Sila. Invicta's pronouns and mine are she, her. As I saw Christina and saw her name and was like, ah. oh wait, no, that's Sila. I am not Sila. I'm Invicta. We all, 
We all a little bit sometimes want to be Sila. I mean that hair. I mean, I want to be Christina when I grow up. Truly, truly. I won't grow up. My name's Eugenio. Uh, like I said, uh, DM Jazzy Hands, and I am the storyteller uh, for Into the Motherlands. And and here we are. Uh, obviously, we want to talk more about what happened last week before we jump into the action, but we can't go any further at all, of course, without thanking some of the folks who make it possible for us to be here with you all week after week. Uh, huge thank you, first of all, to Die Hard Dice for supporting our endeavors in the Motherlands. Most of you are aware of this, but if this is your first time here, we are partnered with Die Hard Dice and have created the Museum. Alien Skies dice set, a gorgeous uh, sky blue dice set. Uh, you can get them inked or uninked. The inked version have these gorgeous gold. Uh, it's a little blurry because it really wants to focus on my face. Uh, but anyway, beautiful dice, which are available for sale on the Die Hard Dice website, dieharddice.com. You should go check them out and also all of the other awesome offerings that Die Hard Dice has for you. Second up, we want to thank Blue Microphones for stepping up all of our audio game here so that we sound as awesome as possible for you all. They have supplied the cast with microphones and you too uh, can stream and podcast and whatever else you need on their line of microphones by going to bluemics.com uh, and checking out their full, sorry, Blue Mike singular.com and checking out their full range uh, of offerings. Third up, enormous thank you to everyone over at Cortex by Fandom. They've been incredibly supportive, helpful uh, for us as we put together our, we just got a little regular Vanna down there and I'm not mad about it. Okay, this one we got a couple. Uh, wait, I'll get mine. Uh, as you can see, their core handbooks have been released. You can pick them up. Uh, you can pick up hard copies, digital copies, and find out what the Cortex Prime system is all about. Our system here at Motherlands is primed by Cortex as well. So thank you very, very much to those folks over there. And finally, we of course have to thank Twitch for being such a major supporter of Into the Motherlands making it possible for us to be here. We are so very grateful. Uh, and you all know how to find Twitch because you already did. So that's all we have to say there. Uh, all right. Can I add a thing before we, before we stop? Yeah, it? of course you can. Go right ahead. Somebody in the community uh, <clears throat> made a Hero Forge of the Kemba. And I replied to them and was like, I need it. Hero Forge replied to them and was like, hey, look, uh, are you interested? And then they sent me a DM with a gift card that allowed me to get this <gasps> tiny Akemba. Oh, love my. it! So this is the Akemba God. that they made on Hero Forge, and I now have it in front of me. So cool. Hero Forge is like that's pretty awesome. You He's should, uh, you should have your Akemba, and I was like, thank you. So I'm pretty excited about it. That's awesome, dude. That's amazing. I love it. Thanks for sharing. That's what I was that. looking for like last week. Like Cypher was like, you all right? I was like, oh. I'm looking for my Akemba. Where is he? <laughs> Wondered what and he's you tiny, so I was like, "What on earth? Where did he go?" And he was he was <laughs> behind the. Does he come with a little uh, cheese oh, yeah. toy, or is it no, sold separately? There is no cheese wheel on this one, sadly, <laughs> but there are birds on the platform, which is pretty awesome. So like, Who that? On the very bottom of it, there's birds. Oh my god! Look at the birds! There's cute little birds. birds. Who that you holding up, Tanya? We go play eventually. It me. Is it, it Invicta? Me. It is. Oh, you got the Invicta one. Nice. Yeah. Oh yes. my god! I love them so much. And I love that the locks look really good. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah, they got good game. locks. Mm -hmm. The my own look, y'all know it y'all know and if y'all have watched me do or heard me do anything else, y'all know I definitely prefer to be on on this side of the proverbial uh DM screen as it were most times, but the one thing I miss from being on the other side of the table is fan art and minis, yo. Those are so cool. To be fair, somebody made a sweet plush of Bertrand. 
That's true. That all you know you. what? I have that is literally nothing to complain about because that plush is amazing. It is. So you all heard this. We need fan art of our fabulous storyteller. No, now that mm-hmm. is not what I said. <laughs> I said it. Not of me. Right. That, that's exactly what I heard. How? Mm-hmm. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen of the Into the Motherlands community. Oh, no. You have the capability of doing so. Any characters that we have just so happen to have voiced by our lovely DM, DM Jazzy Hands, Eugenio, please yeah. make the things. We would love to see them and post them into the Motherlands Discord. Do the things. We want to see them and showcase them to everybody else. Thanks. Y'all are the best. Do the things. I love it. This group oh, is so I'm awesome. Just... All right. It we got to like your mustache and such. There's like no face and it's like, but you know, because of the like facial hair. I love it. I'm here for it. <laughs> no. Well, now I feel good. What a high note to start on. Uh, but we have lots to get through tonight. Uh, as has already been teased, possibly last week, I may not remember, but definitely earlier this evening, we have some flashbacks to do tonight uh, on top of dealing with whatever we have discovered on the moon, which means we must move to the recap. Who's up? I think I think Silas should recap. She had a lot of growth and also dodging That's asteroids. True. That's true. She did a lot last week. That's not wrong. Oh, so we had to go to the moon, but we had to travel in these big goo packs of blue and Sila didn't like it, but everybody had to do it and it was suctioned in. Someone drew a picture of it. It's really great. And then Sila floating inside the goo tube like, no. But also before they left, Sila made sandwiches for the crew to make sure that they didn't go hungry and smush them inside in these little like protective packages, like protective Tupperware that she kept inside so that they would have food in case they got hungry. And Akimbo was like, oh, did you cut the crust off? And she's like, what? But it was great. And Akimbo was like, it's not about the sandwiches. And it was about the sandwiches. And we are on the moon. Sila was like, not Sila, but Invictus said, get back inside because you could get hit by an asteroid, even though there were these things to chop up the asteroid when they came in that went, ha-cha, ha-cha, ha-cha and like cut them in half it's like but if you get smushed we can't bring you back and then akimba came out to the moon too and they had to run and they were like and silo was like i'm gonna swim and akimba's like that's not physics and silo was like yes it is and then swam through space to get (laughs) back inside before they were smooshed and there was like a mysterious thing that happened at the end michael Yes. Uh, so I'm just going to go towards the end. Gotcha. Um, so we tracked the signal um, because of the communication device. Uh, ILI was basically just shooting out radio signals out into space. Uh, at some point, they got a weird signal back. We saw that that signal is on the other side of the moon. So we took another space shuttle. It's not it's a shuttle. It's a, it's a transport um, pod. pod. Right. So we took transport pod over to the other side of the moon and I did the radar signal again. And then uh, Invicta uh, essentially got one of, there was a a passing by um, asteroid that looked like it was getting, it it was moving weirdly towards some sort of source. And then Invicta was able to shoot it out of the sky. uh, And basically that alerted us where um, some sort of craft or something or the other was out there um, floating around. Yeah. All right. Any any other details that need to be added? I just feel uh, it's important that we need to acknowledge our legally distinct All Might slash Deku 
crouch and then jump toward <laughs> the entrance. Right. That's all I'm saying. It's legally That's distinct. Right. It is not That's the right. legally one. distinct. What is he uh, called? Oh, well, I shouldn't talk about it. I can't remember what he calls it. Something smash, Ooh. right? It doesn't matter. This is it, IP it's stuff. The, Never it mind. Smash! <laughs> if you're gonna do it, it's gotta be like legally distinct in our version of it. So that's right, that's right. So it's not smash, it's it's something else that we'll come up with. Uh anything Ash. else? Uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. Swoosh. So all good options. Uh anything else from last week? I think that covered most of the important bits, but any other details anybody wants to add? Looking at you Invict, if there's anything else. Not that there's something in my mind, just I'm like checking it. No, you... no, no. Nothing is missed. I just want to make sure that you didn't have anything before. I'm like, oh whenever the storyteller says that, I'm like, what are you? I know, right? Um <laughs> what have they not mentioned that's gonna be narratively important in the next 20 minutes? Um just yes, the signals, which is how we saw. The I can't. I was trying to do like a a Dr. Zoiber kind of thing, um, but we saw the ship like in the last second, like the shield or whatever it was mm-hmm. was gone. Just enough to be like, oh, that's a big ship, and it's got tentacles. And then Eugenio, being Eugenio, it's like, and see you next week. I forgot about the tentacles. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. So it's uh, it is a it's quite the ship. Uh, that you all sort of caught a quick glimpse of. Uh, the the craft itself, I mean, it's hard to tell from where you're standing. It, it looked big largely because of those tentacles behind it are really long. The, the sphere at the head of the ship, I don't know, uh, is actually relatively small, which you can sort of tell even from this distance that most of the volume of the ship is in those trailing tentacles. And yes, that is where we left and where we shall head back in. You all have uh, are aware that there are at least two others aside from the one that Invicta nailed with the uh, with the asteroid laser thus making it uh, temporarily visible. So you know there's at least three, including that one out there. Uh, you have, you are aware that they are sending some sort of comm signals, but you can't make any sense of them. Uh, and that is where we begin uh, with a comms hail from planet side, from Hothray, uh, which probably Eli would be the first to notice being at the, the comms station in this, uh, in this area, or the comms center in this irrigation station here on the moon. So I got some sort of hail uh, to the station? Awesome. Uh, yes, to you from planet side. Oh, planet side, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, hello, this is Eli here. Um, We've got your hail. What do you need to report? Just let me talk to them. <clears throat> yes. Uh, hello there. This is uh, Birch, uh, Master Steel Smith Bertrand Grand Engineer Third Class. We detected planet side uh, that some of the asteroid lasers were taken off automatic and put into manual mode. Is everything all right? Excuse me, all right on your end, I lie. Yes, Grand Engineer, Um, everything is all right. Uh, We're investigating something at the moment. It seems that um, we've seen something that is um, slightly mysterious. We'll let you know if it's of concern shortly. 
of course. Uh, if you need any assistance, do be sure to let us know. I am glad that everyone is safe. Yes, I'm coming. I must go. Uh, thank you, Grand Engineer. Oh, of course. What, uh, go ahead, actually. Let's have the four of you now. What are you all up to? Um, I am wondering how everyone's doing post being outside on the moon and almost getting smushed by asteroids. Sila, Kemba, how are you? I just can't talk about it yet. It was very traumatic. Mm. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised more than anything, uh, but I am fine. Thank you for asking. Silo? He said that the asteroid blasters were set to manual instead of automatic. So was this intentional? Was someone trying to hit us with asteroids? Um. This was uh, something that was done by uh, Invicta. They were trying to make sure that um, we can possibly spot what's out there. Uh, we, we set it to manual mode and Invicta was able to in engage um, the asteroid, which then revealed the location of that mysterious object out there. Yes, I was I trying was worried to... about the shape of my sandwich at that point. I was not paying attention. <laughs> That is fair. There are a few, uh, <laughs> this is not the first time that alarms have gone off while y'all have been on the moon, uh, but these are, uh, these are different. These are, before they were sort of like, uh, you know, signal tones that you all heard to indicate, you know, incoming asteroid lasers deploying or like when you all arrived at one station or another. So those were, let's call them signals. <clears throat> These are alarms, uh, and and they are loud. Uh, you know, klaxons, flashing lights, the whole thing, uh, very very loud. Oh boy, this is going to be fun. Um, I guess we should go to things that are similar to stations, possibly. I'm not quite sure how to run this outpost. Neither am I, but we'll figure it out. Um, is the station where I was trying to manipulate the lasers similar at all to the Wistful Wish? Uh, yes, in some ways it is. In probably the most important way for, for Invicta and for all of you is that it's similar in that it is similarly oversized, which you all now have practice at, which is great news. Um, it's a little different. It's a little clunkier because the, the lasers weren't really meant to be on manual control, right? Uh, so it's a little clunkier, but you can definitely sort of maneuver with them. Uh, yeah. Mm, all right, I'm gonna look for a station similar to what I was doing or if I can use the station I was at. Yeah, you can use the one you're at for sure. Okay, then I'm going to do that and uh, see if I can figure out where that alarm's coming from. Okay, uh, yeah, it's it's sort of, it's coming from like the, the central part of the room, like it's alerting everyone, though there are readouts on most of the uh, sort of interface 
screen. So Eli, you could grab one, and Victor, you could look at one, uh, and and either of the other two of you could grab a grab a seat somewhere and check it out. I'll do it. All right. So, uh, Ikemba, you sort of head on over to the very first uh, station that you can find, which just happens to be sort of the uh, the on moon transit sort of uh, sort of I don't know what signal master sort of thing. Basically, where the pods run from if they aren't being run manually from inside the pod itself. Uh, but like I said, all of the screens. Uh, that are in this space, in this station, are sort of alerting the same thing. And Akemba, you look down at the screen and you can see uh, that it is flashing alert, warning, incoming fire. Oh, um, brace yourselves. There's incoming fire from this vessel. Oh, are there shields? That's such a good question. Uh, so let me before I answer that really good question, uh, Sila, what are you what are you doing? We've got these three at at various stations uh, at least for the moment. What are you up to? I'm trying to find the equivalent of like the captain's space, like the bridge. <laughs> like if there's a chair, maybe I'm very mm -hmm. fond of sitting, and I want to be there and checking in with each person at their stations just to kind of where we're at while also downloading all of the information about the outpost that I can or uploading all the information that I can about the outpost into myself. Great. Great. Uh, yeah, so there's, well, there isn't like a command chair. So your choices are you could stand sort of, the, the station is circular. You could be in the center and sort of be in the strongest position and check in with everyone, but you wouldn't have your chair. Or you could be over at one of the stations and have a chair, but be, you know, yeah, look at this. Look at your face. Yeah, or you could do the thing where captains like put their hands behind their back where it makes them look authoritative. And they're like, yeah, this is this is my post wherever Just I am. as good as a chair. That's yeah, right. That works. Wherever, I, think I, actually, I am the chair. I am going to squat into chair as if I do have a chair and it will not bother me because I don't have feelings in my limbs. <laughs> so I am going to sit in chair position as if there is a chair with my back straight and amazing. my legs crossed at the ankles uh, with my hands amazing. on imaginary handles. And you can sort of hear as after Silent 919 gets into this position, you can sort of hear like little joint locks like whir into place so that she holds this position effortlessly. And she's just there. I mean, for all the world, you'd just think she was sitting on a well-cloaked chair. I love it. Uh, all right. Uh, turns out telling you all to brace was in fact wise uh, because we are going to hop into uh, to see what you all are able to accomplish. But as we do, the station is rocked by a blast. There's a flash of light and there is uh, a bit of a shaking. And Invicta, since you're at the laser stations, you can see that one of the three lasers that is tied to this irrigation station has been taken offline. Let's go ahead and move to the roll screen as we begin to figure out what we're gonna do shall we oh dear while we're transitioning or after we transition all right uh when you say taken offline do we see this laser like taken out or is it just kind of like it was pointing up and now it just kind of like droops down it's like laser offline yeah, so you can see uh, there was a big bright flash of light. The first thing that you were able to see was the alert on your screen, but you look out and you see that that laser uh, has been uh, sort of that second thing that you described. Uh, it 
is definitely more, there is damage evident, uh, but it's still okay. there. It just droops and is unresponsive from your station at this point. Okay. Oh boy. All right. So uh, let's talk about what each one of you wants to do. Uh, and then we'll sort of figure out a good order to make your tests and see who can support whom and how we can sort of uh, narrate this out. So uh, anyone who wants to tell me what you want to do and then we'll go from there. Mm. There's just a lot going on. Everybody's <laughs> like, what do we do now? I know. What, well, I'm not going to say that yet because we'll see what happens. But I yes, mean, there is a lot going on. I mean, I have an idea, but I keep talking first. So I'm, I was trying to be quiet. That's do all right. It. Let's hear your idea because maybe do it'll it. it'll spark some stuff for the other three that they can help you with it. Um, I was going to see if I could commandeer those other two lasers and shoot at the ship. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, for sure. You have the can you can take them on manual just like you did uh, last week or or mere minutes ago, depending on whose time we're talking about. Uh, so yeah, that's that's sort of Invicta's plan. Uh, do any of y'all have thoughts about things you could do to either support her or get ready for worst case scenario or I don't know anything else that y'all might have of Michael? You got or sorry, uh, Ila, you got something? Yes. Uh, since Ila is always thinking about rescue. Um... What they're going to do is go to the pod, transfer pod, and basically get it ready to go if we need to like get out like torpedoes or photons or whatever kind of heavy artillery is coming our way. If we see it coming, you know, I'm going to be there um, setting up the pod just in case something like that happens. So we can just like go to another um, station and then continue on. Um, you know, if, if Invicta needs to get another set of lasers, but essentially just be ready to move and have the device um, ready to go. Absolutely. So I lie heading over to the pod, getting coordinates set up to GTFO the moon. Uh, in Kemba and Sila 919, any ideas what y'all might be up to in this moment of panic and crisis? Panic and crisis, but not really though. Uh, Kemba's just kind of like in the same mode. Because mm -hmm. if Ila's prepped to get to the pod to get out of here, he's right behind because tactical. So let's get let's get some of this handling. He's kind of looking to see if there's like a tactical panel that he can sit down in the pod. Like he can sit yeah. down to help like handle controls. Uh, for the, for the, oh, in the pod, I got you, I got you. Yeah, so you can absolutely, uh, uh, Eli can sort of set up each of your seats, get them prepped uh, and ready for, you know, gel injection, because if y'all are going to be heading planet side as you're running, that'll be an important thing to do quickly. And Akemba, you can get in there ready to dial in the coordinates and, and you know, hit launch right away once everyone is in the seats that, that Eli is, is, um, is preparing. Sound good? Mm-hmm. All right, and Miss Captain Sila 919 is there surveying all she sees, downloading information as she can from the station. Uh, anything else that we should know about, Captain? I'm trying to come up with a plan to get everyone safely back into the pods, mm -hmm. but I'm going to defer to them and make sure that there's nothing that I can do to assist them before I just jump in. Oh. Oh, anybody anybody have a request of your captain? Um, maybe best to assist Invicta on um, engaging with the um, object out there. We have two uh, working on this uh, transportation pod. Uh, they might, um, Invicta might need assistance just spotting uh, what to attack next. Maybe because of your um, 
a background, you might be able to help them find weak points. Well, I guess my line of thinking was that rather than attack, is there a possible way that we could attempt to open comms before we immediately plan to open fire? Yes, that is actually uh, quite a brilliant thought, of course. Um, I haven't thought about that one yet. Is that something that you could assist me with as far as comms? Yes. Uh, and then I will wrap up what I'm doing and Hondo head over to the comm station. All right. So let's, uh, let's, let me just check in then with Invicta. So this conversation happens between your captain and Eli about hailing them before anything fires. Are you going to hold your fire? I'm, I'm holding fire, but I'm like, okay. but they shot us first. Didn't you feel the station shake? Did they shoot first? Okay, Han. <laughs> Depends on which version you watch. All right. So, a uh, okay. So, uh, Captain Silent Nine One Nine and Eli are going to attempt to open up uh, a, a hailing frequency. Are going to try and communicate uh, with whatever is out there, blowing up these or not blowing up, but disabling these lasers. Uh, planet side. So, uh, as the two of you look in uh you know look into to getting those signals out i like can already show you sort of where the signals that they caught uh that were flying around among those ships uh were sort of what frequencies they were on uh and you're able to you're able to sort of narrow down the area in which you think these ships probably are. So you can sort of broadcast like wide wide beam, whatever, I don't know, they say that in sci-fi shows, uh, to sort of the general area that you think these ships are likely in. What would you like the message to say? Or what type of hail would you like it to be? Or you all tell me. Um, I think the hail is going to be... Um, Vessel, this is um, a group with Torch. Um, we're trying to see what your objective is here on uh, this Hatharian moon. Um, we were just trying to figure out what was out there, if it was enemy or not. Uh, we, uh, we were uncertain uh, what your um, focus was. So the shout out um, over to the asteroid was just to get an understanding. Um, and then I, I'll just say, uh, I don't know how they communicate, so I will just say over and end it there. I love it. I love it. Anything Sila wants to add before the, uh, before the transmission is cut short? I'll take over from here. This is Captain Sila 919, and it appears that you have shot at us and we would like to give you the opportunity to rescind said shot or else it will be taken as a sign of hostility. I would ask that you clarify now what your intentions are. Thank you. So those those two messages go off into, uh, you know, into near space uh, and after a bit, uh, Eli, you can see on the screens, and, and Silent 919, you know that you can see this as well, uh, that the, the transmissions reached something uh, and were received, and uh, you get a transmission back. And this is the first time that a transmission has been sent from these ships, whatever they are, to the station. And it is nonsense. 
it is just gobbledygook code and characters and uh you know it doesn't make any sense it doesn't even really look like a form of communication it is so you know nonsense yes uh if it's code then it absolutely makes sense uh i should say it, well it isn't i mean i guess it's sort of code um silent i'm on nine this is a good point I like this. Let's do this. Silent I'm Online, why don't you put together a dice pool for me for a test to understand uh, what this is? Code is, is not exactly a good definition of it. So it's going to be tough. Uh, but let's see if you can sort of pick some bits out about it. Let's have a look. I feel like it's like a font to me. And I'm running it through all of my systems. <laughs> and just like, it's spoken-ish. But either way, it just comes in to me as. Right, right, right. I like it. All right. I like it. All right, so, so tell me about this dice pool. I'm gonna go with notice. Sure, sure. Oh, notice that. patterns in it or, you know, themes, anything that you can parse out. I like that. Okay, so that's a D10. And Monsagene, well, bio-priest, because uh, as a bio-priest, that's how I can understand the code. Yes, I love that. Absolutely that. Um, do you roll before me, roll. or do I roll? Uh, I roll before you, because they're not, in this case, even though you're doing something with another uh, GMC, with another character, they're not actively trying to keep you from understanding them. It's just y'all don't communicate the same way. Uh, so... So yeah, I will roll first to set the difficulty here. Uh, nope, that's not what I wanted. Okay. Uh, all right, do you want anything else in your dice pool before I roll to set your difficulty, Captain? I'm gonna take Is one the... more in Monsagene. Uh, I think it's since you chose Bio-Priest, it's gonna oh, no, just limit you to that one, but is there a value maybe that you think might go along with this that you could uh, that you could incorporate. Maybe uh, how's Silas? Knowledge. How's Silas? That's what I was going for. Yeah. All right. Love that. Oh yeah, it's a D eight. Does not love that for you. I love that for you. <laughs> all right, let's do this. Okay, great. All right, so that is your pool. I'm gonna roll up our difficulty, and I rolled two hitches. Uh, so, si oh, you don't have any stress, do you, Sila? Uh, so, unfortunately, I don't think you could, I'm gonna double check and see if there's anything else that I'm forgetting that you can do with my hitches, uh, but there, you don't have any stress that you can, that you can step down. The good news, though, is that since I rolled two hitches, the other die is my total, and it's only a seven. So you just gotta beat a seven, and then we'll see what you're able to sort of figure out. Ooh. Oh, oh, we are both equally terrible at this. <laughs> Actually, exactly equally terrible because you also rolled two hitches and also rolled a seven on your one remaining die. This is incredible. Wow. Okay. Wow. So I'm going to, ah, I'm going to buy both of those from you. So you can have two no, I'm sorry, you get one plot point and I am going to give you a D8 
of corrupted stress. You get so deeply into this code, because remember a tie goes to the, uh, the first person to roll. So you did not succeed this time. Uh, so you get so deep into this wildly confusing, seemingly nonsensical code that you begin to uh, sort of, you know, blue screen out basically, not that bad because you aren't taken out of the screen, out of the scene rather. Uh, but that sort of like, uh, loops, like right, these loop processes in your in your programming just sort of start running, and it'll take some some diagnostics and some hard reboots and all that kind of stuff to uh, to fix that. Oh really? <laughs> now now I just want to make it clear that this did not take you out of the scene on my end. You are welcome to take yourself out if you would like, but that's not on me. <laughs> okay, so uh, you all watch Sila, uh, Sila Nama 9 as she plugs in and starts, you can see almost sort of reflected in her eyes, the code as it, as it scans across uh, the comm screen and, and it just goes and goes and there's sort of this tense moment and just nothing. And as nothing happens, you all get the gist of what the message must have said because alerts go off and another laser has been taken offline, leaving one laser remaining, another explosion, leaving one laser remaining at this station Invicta. Is that your cue? Absolutely. They just, they just gave her a virus. I don't know what they did to her. <laughs> They did that or something like it anyway. Uh, all right. So Invicta, you want to fire on these ships. Yeah, I do. All right. Let's put together that dice pool. Now we are remembering you all have figured out a few things about them on the fly. So while you can't really see them on your scanners or just by looking out the windows of the station, uh, you have sort of figured out how on your scanners you can look for sort of dark spots or empty spots uh, and aim for that. So it's going to be tough, but it'll be possible to hit them. Of course, I said it was going to be tough to understand the 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 code and then I rolled a seven and then she rolled a seven. So who knows what's tough and what isn't, I don't know. All righty, uh, I'm gonna put my high and all knowledge to use so I can try to find a good spot. Um, I'm gonna use no and I may step that up a bit um, and knowledge and I'm going to add a value. I'm gonna add another D6 for High and all, because I'm going to put, I'm going to try to aim for a good spot or take out their weapons. I am sitting here staring at Sila's screen, wondering why none of these dice are appearing for me. I got it. I'm with you now. <laughs> I'm with all you right. now. Cool. All, right. all right. So uh, basically what's happening here is, whereas Sila was just trying to sort of decode something and wasn't being actively opposed, you obviously are now sort of in a version of a firefight with these ships. So this is a contest, which means that you are going to roll your, uh, you are initiating the contest, sort of. Uh, so you are going to roll your pool first to set the difficulty for me this time. All right. Let us hope everything goes well, y'all. Or at least not as poorly as me and Sila just did. Oh boy. Uh-oh. Well, to your credit, you didn't roll two hitches in a seven. You rolled one hitch in a seven. <laughs> These dice are cursed. These dice, yo. Okay. Can we, uh, use, I, you, we can't use plot points to get rid of those, yes? To get rid of uh, hitch? hitches? 
No, unfortunately, that is not that is not one of the things that you can do with your plot points. Uh, but you do get more plot points when I buy the hitches off of you, which of course I'm obviously going to do. Uh, oh boy! <laughs> so uh, let's see. Yeah, no. Okay, great. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and buy that from you and say that uh, this one is actually just. Doubt sort of starts to, to creep in for Invicta. So I'm gonna give you a D6 of afraid stress, if I could. Doubt oh, about the situation, not about your own capabilities. We can get to that later. Uh, so seven is the number to beat. I am now going to put together my dice pool for this ship. And what is it? It's this. So that means, oops. Oh boy. These, and two of these and one of these. All right, so I have to beat a seven. Let's see how we roll. Ooh, I did beat a seven. How I'm much did you beat to... it by? Well, right now it's saying 19, but actually I don't want that. Oh my I God. This instead, I'm gonna shift this around and I'll uh. tell you why in a moment. Uh, so my total is actually a 14. Uh, I switched some dice around and depending on what you decide to do, I will explain why I did it later. But so we go back and forth as long as we want. So in uh, Invicta, at this point, you can choose to give in, uh, which basically allows you uh, to end it here with slightly less dire consequences, but you do still lose the contest. Or you can press your luck and try and beat my 14 by continuing the rolls. Mm. Uh, and we and I, do keep the same dice pools, sorry, I should say, unless you want to okay. spend a plot point to change something up. Uh, otherwise, we keep the same dice pools. Okay. Um, I'm gonna, before, can I confer with Ikemba and Ilai? Yeah, I think so. I don't see why not. Uh, I turned to both of them. So I missed. What do you want to do? <laughs> a great question what should we do i'm going to at least start um getting the captain onto the pod um possibly akimba do you have the skills to get the other laser up um in the in the at the moment i can surely try um and if that doesn't work then we should just head to another station or, or off off moon well, we've got one laser and I missed. Are you trying to get the one of the other lasers that's that's down? Yes. yes. So we'll have two against the ship. Would better our odds. True. So should I shoot again and give you time? Or should I stand down and we possibly lose the third laser? I would rather we not lose all of our lasers, so. All right. Well, it seems like it's agreed. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, get Sila 919 into the pod for the moment. So I'm going to fireman carry um, <laughs> or fire person carry Sila 919 and uh, put them into the transport pod while okay. uh, Ikemba and Invicta figure something out with the lasers. All right, so you two are off doing that. Uh, you know, this is all happening very quickly. Uh, the two of you who are left, Invicta, what's the what's the call on the challenge or the contest? I mean, challenge. That's not a thing. Um, I'm gonna take another shot to give Akemba time to get that other laser back up. 
All right, so same dice for your pool, and the number to beat is a 14. Okay. And I added a six. Get it in there. All right, uh, what am I looking for here? All right, in any, whatever you believe in, now is the That's time. Right. <laughs> now is the time. Now is the moment. This is the moment. Ooh. All right, but I have uh, there is there is good news about this. Um, I mean, it's not great. You didn't make it, but it could be worse. There are no hitches, and your effect die is a D10, which is good. That's going to save you some hurt. So uh, while Silent 919 is being carried out uh, by Eli over to the pod in preparation for evacuation. Uh, uh, Invicta and the ships are just trading fire uh, back and forth. And uh, and Invicta, if you wanna if you wanna narrate a little bit of this, and then I'll take over with the consequences. Um, so Invicta turns back. She you know, like kind of braces herself. Is like, all right, it's all or nothing. It's what I trained for. And she uh, sets coordinates. She's looking right out at the ship, pulls the levers, and it gets real close. Like she's looking at the screen that that can see out, mm-hmm. and it, she sees it like almost graze the ship Oof. as it gets very close. But close doesn't help right now. <laughs> it's it not. Doesn't. It doesn't, so uh, exactly, it shaves it. uh, And basically you watch, this ship had been uh, sort of, uh, it was the other ship that was primarily uh, sort of dipping and dodging and had shot out the most recent laser. So this one wheels, circles, uh, focuses in the direction that that shot just came from and is able to take out that third laser. Now, fortunately, since your effect die and my effect die were D10s, uh, that's good because it means all of it got taken out uh, was that third laser and not part of the station as well. Uh, so at this point, you have no functional weapons at this particular moon station. Ikemba, what are you up to? Well, uh, like once I get to, I've been at the station like attempting to try to make adjustments and then as feels the kind of floor vibrating a bit. He's like, uh, Invicta, was that our last laser being taken down? Yeah, yeah, it was. The question then becomes, do I have enough time to handle this? Because if I miss, or if I'm not fast enough, will this station survive a blast with all of us in it in an attempt to get to another station? As much as I hate to say it, probably not. And an old saying that a friend taught me is discretion is a better part of valor. Indeed, then. May we all hit head to the pod and leave immediately. Right. Like he just breaks out into a sprint. Like just, <laughs> just like zoom. Just just floating, just gone. Like he is moving toward the As pod. As I see uh Ikemba coming towards the pod, I'm gonna slam the button on um Silent 919's uh gel to get that going yep. and, and then as uh they're gonna come in i'm gonna start like i'm gonna act like i'm a station master or a loading master essentially so i'm gonna direct them to get into the pods and just slam buttons and then i'm gonna be the like i'll have it set up however they want to get in and then i will mm-hmm. set it up us to go so that's what i'm that's what i is prepping for 
Okay, and Akemba already has everything ready for you because he was in here a little bit before. So yeah. once you've got everyone in position, you just hit that hit that autopilot button, and it should. And are you sending this to another station on the yes, moon? Yes, I'm, I'm sending it. Side? I'm sending it to another station because I don't feel right. comfortable. Ally doesn't feel comfortable trying to rocket our way back down, and we're in a vulnerable spot where it's just sure. like they could just watch us go down, and like there's no safety precautions. Sila nine one nine last episode. Like knew that there isn't like some sort of eject parachute. Right. Like, yeah, so we're not we're, as far as y'all are aware, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so we're another station is what I'm uh, setting it up to do. Okay, I love that. Uh, yeah. Now, are you going back to the first station that y'all read, or are you just hitting one that's sort of like as far away as possible from what's going on right now? Um, I'm gonna go not to that one because I think that's the one that takes us directly back. So whatever is kind of like jutted off to the side but can still take us back to the the i'm thinking about central station so i'm basically i'm just gotcha. trying to like uh what do you call this it's a gamer term i'm gonna i'm trying to kite them like i'm trying to like make oh. sure that we can just <laughs> yes. like bounce totally. leapfrog uh totally. as a group unit and, and and make our way around yeah someone been playing world of warcraft uh yep too much uh that's that's why i look really tired but you know all worth it just real high nice. gear that's, totally that's worth awesome it. i love it all right really yeah nice. so you all uh you all hop in you get into your seats uh ikemba and and invicta uh you know taken off and as you uh as you all reach the pod and get in and Eli smacks the buttons to inject your gel. Uh, it chem, uh, sorry, Invicta actually, the last thing uh, that you sort of see before uh, before the gel totally fills in your chamber to rocket you to the other side of the, well, on your way to the other side of the moon is a large explosion. Uh, it seems that they have moved from disabling weapons to trying to eliminate the four of you and the station uh, explodes under the fire of these ships just as your pod uh, heads off across the moon, gel packs uh, engaged. You all are temporarily immobilized as the pod moves to the next station. And Invicta, as the sort of, uh, you know, as the, the uh, it's not a sedative, but you know, the, the whatever <laughs> it is in the gel sort of hits you uh, and you begin to sort of go back to that teetery place where you're not really fully conscious for the journey. You sort of remember, you begin to think about the last time uh, that you were really sort of majorly fired upon in an unexpected way like this. And we go back in time a bit uh, to remember something from Invicta's past. Let's head over there. I got my NPR voice on there at the end. Uh, so we, uh, you remember Invicta uh, the last time and you see yourself uh, in this memory uh, having escaped uh, a, a, well, not really similar, but a, a firefight, uh, an unexpected sort of firefight. You uh, have escaped, you've made your way uh, away from uh, wherever this fight happened. It wasn't even really a fight. It was more of an ambush on you. Uh, tell us a little bit about what, what is going on, where, why, what you were doing out here, what's happening now. Tell us a little bit about what we're remembering. Um, Invicta's thinking about what should have been a very routine mission, kind of her first one out of training, training wheels off, live weapons, everything else. 
It's supposed to be just kind of exploratory mission, helping to map out parts of, of Vutoa. And they came across other humans that were definitely not Musalians that seemed very perplexed by them arriving and that opened fire. And yeah. she, she had to jump into the thick of it very quickly. And it was a, a quick and bloody battle. Only a few of these new humans surviving the blade keeper group she was with. And that's when she learned that other humans had found Vutoa. Yeah, so it seemed. Uh, basically, you were sent out with this this group of blade keepers uh, just to check out some reports of of you know what people sort of thought were probably oh you know maybe wild animals stealing from settlements or something. There was just some strange activity, and it was totally routine, like you said, a scouting mission just to see what's up. And you all were attacked by people that looked like Musalians, but were definitely not Musalians. Uh, and how did, how did, so it, you had to jump into the thick of it pretty quickly. And as you said, only a few of them survived. So in that situation, uh, it ended up okay. So we, uh, we see Invicta with her blade keeper companions and just tell us about this fight. What does a squad of blade keepers doing what they do? What is that like? What is that experience like? It's, it's kind of terrifying. It's like a precision knife on legs. Um, cutting through enemies, taking heads. And, you know, it was her first time for real in the thick of it. And even though she trained for it, she still was kind of like hopped up on adrenaline because we're out here exploring and finding new things. And, oh, where did they come from? What's happening? Why are we being shot at? And then it was just like the whole pack of them wandered into the fray and it was like everyone had the sharpest of sharp knives and blades and and kind of electro blades everyone has like their own personalized blade keeper weapon mm-hmm. and it was the first time that her blade had been wetted in combat yeah so it, yeah. it's it's terrifying but also kind of beautiful oh absolutely yes that is exactly how i imagined it uh terrifying and beautiful and in the end uh the the ones that escaped did they escape because you let them sort of oh no they didn't escape oh they didn't escape they were taken prisoner aha aha okay excellent so yes they were taken prisoner uh you all march them back and we sort of see a little transition here where it's almost like uh a memory within a memory we now see invicta uh at uh are we at are we at your home or are we at uh, the other person in the scene's home who you know who that is? Uh, the other person's home. Okay, so we see Invicta in uh, in a uh, pretty simple uh, set of rooms. These rooms actually uh, actually are within the Blade Keeper sort of compound. Some mm-hmm. of the individuals that are sort of higher up in the Blade Keeper organizations uh, actually stay on campus or however we want to say that. But Invicta is there uh, and sitting with Invicta, a a pot of tea between them is a much older, but still obviously fierce and sharp high and old 
uh, person. They are, they have a slight graying about the muzzle, but otherwise their fur is light brown and shiny and full. Their yellow eyes are sharp as ever. And you can see underneath their very simple sort of clothing, you can see that they are, they are, their body is a weapon. They are honed and trained and prepped. Uh, and this is very clearly an older Hyenol, but a powerful Hyenol who is sitting there. And, and you, uh, Invicta, are uh, relaying this story to them, uh, letting them know what happened on this mission uh, that you were sent on and how it ended up in success. So what, is the, what are the last things that you tell uh, your mentor who is here sitting across from you? The last thing I tell them is that that wasn't what I expected my first mission to be. I really thought it would be more orderly, more going in, keeping the peace, not being sprung upon almost from the bushes like, like we were being hunted like animals. You did well. No one expects their first mission to go in any way that it goes. One cannot truly make preparations for such events. Granted, this took a turn that no one possibly could have expected, but you did well. Invicta, and I am proud of you. Thank you, Roxana. I'm just glad I came back to be able to tell you. As am I. How embarrassing it would have been to not return from your first mission. <sighs> well, you know the way that some people treat me. It would not have been unexpected, and they would have probably reveled in it. Do not dwell on them, Invicta, she says very forcefully. <sighs> she has said this to you before. They mean nothing. I know, worse, I know. Worse that they are high and all, and see not the fallacies of their logic. But even the ones that do not follow our ways, that are not of our peoples, they matter not. Their logic is flawed. You know this. I do. Good. But unlike our Monsagene friends, I can't turn off my emotions so easily. Tell me, Invicta. You have said that you are glad you returned, that you are surprised at how the mission went. But how do you feel now? Are you proud of your achievement? Are you relieved? Are you excited for more? Do you dread the next mission? She takes a moment to think about it and, and takes a few sips of her tea. I feel excited, a little scared. A little worried, but overall that I've done well, that 
I'm that I'm doing what you trained me to do and doing it well. And I hope that I'll continue to make you proud. Roxana has, you look up because something tells me uh, that you were probably not looking them in the eye while you said this. Uh, that is, if that's a poor assumption, let me know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so as you do look up to see Roxana, they have just the most like genuine, guileless, joyful smile on their face. And they say, I think couched as it was in a desire to please me of all people, that was the first time that I think I have heard you say that you were proud of yourself, Invicta. Well, stranger things have happened. <laughs> what say you to it being a day of firsts? I trust you implicitly. Wait here a moment. And uh, Roxana gets up and uh, leaves the little sitting room that you were having tea with them in. Uh, and and what does, uh, they're gone a couple of minutes. Uh, what does Invicta do while, while she's alone in the room waiting on whatever this is that Roxana's doing? Um, she kind of <laughs> sits there and uh, is kind of nervously tapping her, her claws on the table because... <laughs> She's she's not sure what to expect. Her mentor's constantly kind of surprising her in both good and interesting ways. Sure, sure, definitely. Uh, tap, 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 tap. And eventually, after what seems like 10,000 taps, uh, Roxana does come back in and she doesn't seem to have anything with her. She doesn't, she doesn't change. She's, she just stands there. They just stand there, so sorry. They just stand there in the doorway, smiling. Uh, and looking at you, and finally, after a few moments, they say, uh, so, how fared your weapon on the mission? I, I should have asked, it was your, your first time employing that blade in battle, no? Yes. And how did you find it in practice, as opposed to, uh, uh, in, sorry, in actuality, as opposed to in practice? <laughs> <sighs> messier than I thought it will take it will take a bit to get some of the nicks and scratches out a worthy task for any blade keeper to care for one's blade that said I always did find the upkeep of one's blade while necessary of course and a central tenant to our order to be cumbersome. It can be, yes. But it doesn't have to be, you know. Oh. And they reach behind them into, uh, into the sheath that, that they have sort of always strapped to their back, which was empty. Uh, before when you all were, were having tea, taking tea, but apparently it is empty no more. And they draw out a, what is familiar to us in present day, uh, 
but is is uh, not at this moment owned by Invicta, a beautiful blade made of Aventera metal. You wanna tell us a little bit about the blade and what, if anything, uh, Invicta knows about it. Obviously you, Tanya, know much more about it, but what Invicta knows at this point about this blade and what this blade looks like. Uh, the blade is, at this point is still a beautiful untarnished platinum color. The hilt is wrapped in, in a very dark leather. And, mm-hmm. you know, f- for comparison, it would be between a wakizashi and a katana. Oh. Um, and it's it's got the razor thin mm-hmm. um, edge. And on the on the blade itself are are runes that a high and all would understand, explaining a bit of history of why this is special to specifically a high and all blade keeper. Mm. And it you know it, it it glints in the light of the apartment or the house. And for a moment, Invicta is just stunned because she's seen her mentor with this, faced it on occasion in practice. And she's just kind of looking at the blade and looking up at, at her mentor. It's like, this is your weapon. This, this is, means so much to you. I don't understand. You, Invicta, mean so much to me. All of my charges do. I've mentored many blade keepers over the year, but you, over the years, but you, you are special. This blade is special in that it is rare, precious, both to our people and to our order, but it is a tool and my attachment to it is a master craftsman's attachment to their tool and as with any master craftsman when their apprentice has reached a certain level the tools get passed on so too with this so too with this And she flips it around and presents it to you, hilt first. Invicta pauses. She she can't believe that our mentor would give up this blade to such an inexperienced fighter, at least on the real battlefield. And she just looks down and is like, but... Why? Because... Hmm. Because honestly, Invicta, as trite as it may sound, you remind me very much of myself. Similar doubts, similar past, similar passion for the training and the work and the art. And I, as you well know, have had many adventures with, uh, with this blade. 
And as we are so similar, I thought perhaps you might be able to have many adventures with it as well. I, you know, I'm rarely speechless, but in this moment, all I can say is thank you. And it means, it means more than I have words for right now that you would entrust this to me and I'll take good care of her. <laughs> That, of that, I have no doubt. Remember always that your work cannot surpass your tools alone, but they are still individually only that. Treasure this blade, but remember that it is you who wields it. Now, come. And she takes that fine leather wrapping, uh, and they take that fine leather wrapping and they undo the end of it and they unwrap it and you can see underneath the, the unwrapped leather uh, grip of it is more of that fine Aventera metal. Uh, and there are uh, marks, uh, not, not words, not letters, but marks sort of, it's the, it's the one place on the blade that really shows sort of how old this thing was. And it's always been that way. And Roxana sort of wrapped the grip so that they wouldn't, so that it wouldn't deteriorate anymore, but wanted to preserve that history of the blade. So they unwrap the leather and hand the leather strap to you uh, because uh, a, a tradition uh, when someone, when a blade keeper gets a new sword is to wrap the hilt themselves to sort of claim that grip as their own. Uh, and so Roxana hands you the leather and says, this blade carries no name anymore. It did once, served me well as, well, I shan't speak it now as it is ill fortune to remember the past too closely in moments like these. But you, you will rename this blade. You will make it yours as surely as the rewrapping of the grip makes it yours as surely as my giving it to you does. The blade will not be truly yours until that moment when you know its name. Thank you. If you would do me the honor, let's sit while I rewrap the blade. It would be my honor. And uh, Invicta is, Invicta is really just stunned and she doesn't know, she knows what she would like to say, but she, she's trying to not be stoic, but, but give this moment the gravity it deserves. And she's trying not to like basically start blubbering at her mentor because <laughs> it's, it's so important to her. Sure. And she just, um, she just very solemnly, you know, takes a sip of her tea, lays the blade on the table, lays the wrap out, and then runs her hands over it a few times before starting to very solemnly rewrap the hilts. And your mentor occasionally will sort of tactfully be 
distracted by something else in the room and look away when when Invicta needs a moment to take a breath. Uh, but then otherwise they are very attentive. Excuse me, as you rewrap this blade and when it is done, uh, Roxana sort of reaches uh, or, or puts, puts their hands out as if to, to take the blade from you uh, for a moment. And I offer it help first. Uh, and they stand and they walk around behind you and very solemnly place the blade in your own scabbard. Uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't really fit. It is a different blade, but it goes yeah. in well enough that, uh, you know, the, the solemnity of the blade is now yours. You have a place for it. You have wrapped it. You have been gifted it. Uh, there is that step of naming it left, but otherwise uh, this, this little, it's not really a ritual. It wasn't planned. There isn't, I mean, the wrapping is a thing that sort of everyone does, but there's no real pomp and circumstance to this other than you both sort of felt what was necessary in the moment and, and did it. I'll take good care of her and first thing tomorrow, get a proper scabbard commission for her. <laughs> uh, Roxana sort of smiles and they say, uh, yes, she deserves a new scabbard for her new life. Remember everything we've discussed today, but more than anything, hold close that feeling of pride you felt in Victor. I think, I think that feeling, if I may, will be rare for you for a while. You are very hard on yourself and I understand why, but hold on to that feeling of pride in Victor. And, and to the blade they say. You should hold on to that too. I will. It will not leave me. <laughs> Until the time is right as it was with me. Now, go. Something tells me that a successful mission will be more than enough to distract the other blade keepers from remembering that you are but a scholarly bookish high and all, at least for this evening of celebration. And beside, I can drink all of them under the table. <laughs> and besides, you can drink them all under the table. And mm -hmm. you were right. <laughs> so uh, let's head back to the moon as we end Invicta's memory here. So as you complete, as you, you, you sort of get to the end of this memory uh, in Victa and you remember uh, what it was in that mission to be ambushed, to be taken by surprise, to be initially beaten, but you remember also going back in the pride that you felt for not running from the situation, but you know, tactically retreating until you could regroup and ultimately win the day. Uh, and you remember that, and that is the thought that comes to you as uh, the pod arrives at a new station uh, and the gel drains from all of your seats, you are brought back to full consciousness.
uh, and you all are able to go into this new station, which again is is basically they're all basically the same, uh, you know, sort of mass produced buildings and and stations. Uh, so you know you have a sense of what's in here, everything that you can do with it. Uh, and as you enter, as you get out of the pod and enter the station, uh, Eli, you immediately, you know, I, I think Eli, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Eli sort of has a, has a habit of checking in with the stations that they are familiar with, uh, just sort of subconsciously as you're, you know, taking in the space. And you see that there is another uh, awaiting hail from planet side for you. All right. Um, I'm going to approach uh, the, the console. Um, and say, um, Hathorei, this is Eli. Hathorei, this is Eli. Come in. Oh, yes. We have been trying to reach you. Uh, uh, but nope. Uh, uh, Lightbringer. Oh my God, I forgot your profession. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> we have been trying to reach you, Lightbringer. <clears throat> your friend, the Grand Engineer, was quite concerned. We have received an obviously erroneous message here, planet side, that three of the uh, asteroid lasers have been taken offline. Can you confirm that this is an error? This is not an error. There seems to be some sort of, um, some <laughs> sort of, I knew it. Ship that's trying to attack us at the moment. Um, and what is Bertrand's formal name again? Bertrand is the uh, Grand Engineer Bertrand. Uh, uh, that's what I thought, uh, yeah. Ma sorry, Master Steelsmith Bertrand, Grand Engineer Third Class. There, you I go. just shortcut it by Grand Engineer and I figured that's probably fine. Or yeah, do absolutely. I have to say, okay. A no, a title is all you need as long as it's not his name, his given okay. name. Gotcha. So uh, Grand Engineer, um, can you be so kind to um, prep your ship to come get us or so that we can board your ship. It, we're doing our best with what we have up here, but it's a lot of touch and go. Um, so the faster you can get up here, the better. And that's what I relay over to Bertrand. Love it. I love it. Uh, and you you can hear on the, the comm link that is still open. You just hear Bertrand, like you hear footfall, like rapid footfalls and trumpeting getting further and further from the from the uh, the relay station. Clearly, Bertrand is off and going for the wistful wish. And uh, after a few moments, the uh, station master comes back on and says, oh, uh, <clears throat> Well, how very undignified. Yes, we will, of course, send the wistful wish to provide tactical support for you at the earliest possibility. Thank you for your information. Stay safe until we arrive. It will be done. And um, yeah, I guess we end comms right there. I, I'll leave the I'll leave the channel open. Sure, um, sure. And I'm a, I don't know what Invicta and Kimbo are doing, but I'm going to go back to prep the pot again because I assume that it's just going to be like touch and go until Bertrand, uh, Grand Engineer, gets up here. So we're just prepping all the things. I'm, I'm getting resituated uh, for another uh, tactical retreat. Okay. Uh, how about the rest of you? Now that you're here, you all know that that Eli requested uh, ground support and Bertrand is on his way. What are the, the rest of you doing uh, in preparation for Bertrand's arrival? Uh, I'm actually checking on Sila because I uh, wasn't sure if Sila was- Thank you. <laughs> was like still unconscious. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, Sila? 
919, Captain. Comma, Captain. Um, because I checked it, it's in the public domain. Uh, Sila is still on a lute playing Girl from Ipanema. <laughs> really great lute wow. poster. No copyright laws there. Nice. But, uh, <laughs> she is playing Very her nice. elevator music out loud and just kind of hopefully this hitch situation is over and she's going to open her eyes and come back to the scenario. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah. So I should also mention uh, for that. No, I lied. I'm going to keep that. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, that, that will happen. It will happen shortly, Miss Sila. Uh, but meantime, let me just check in real quick with Akemba. I'm just like, kind of like, I was listening in on the Sila 919 situation because I want to make sure the captain's good. And then just like, kind of just like just being blown away, just taking a minute to just gather after all the madness that just happened with dodging like a asteroid and then all the lasers being taken out and just like, we're at our next location. And just like, kind of just like taking a minute to just gather and then yeah, like looking absolutely. around, making sure that everybody else is good, but just kind of being out of it, but still in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and so you all are here. You have a few minutes uh, before, uh, you know, if, if Eli's suspicion is correct, uh, you have at least a, a few minutes before the, uh, before the other ships are able to get to your location. Even if they did spot the pod and just follow the pod, they'll be at least a minute or two behind. So you all have some time to set up. Uh, and, and, Sila 919, uh, the code is still sort of rattling around in there, but your uh, your malware uh, uh, protections have sort of kicked in and they've isolated, they've essentially isolated uh, the code in a portion of your processor that is not going to, um, that is not going to immediately impair your uh, you know, your basic processes. Uh, the, the D8 stress will still be there, but it'll only affect, you know, in certain situations where uh, you might need access to that part of the code that's been sort of sequestered away. But otherwise, you are perfectly fine. How's that sound for you? Like a great opportunity with a reboot to change my face and my hair. Oh my goodness, yes. Tell us about it. So as Sila is rebooting her system, she also has a style system that is built into her. So she, you see her face like come up, like automated. You just see like this whole portion of her face come up and fold down. And then another face comes out. This one's wearing red lipstick instead of brown. And it swaps out her braids go back in you know remember that little toy that you had with the play-doh and you would press it and the hair would grow so oh instead God. of that her braids come off and out comes her afro and a little section of it opens up and a cord goes into her back and just kind of like starts to like just fiddle around with some wires and tucks it all back in and you just see the braids pull in the fro come out her face reconnect Yes. We didn't blow up. No. Everyone is safe? Yes. Cat for gold. <laughs> um, 
What did you say? Casper Gold. <laughs> That's what I thought you said. <laughs> uh, yeah. So clearly, uh, Silent 919 is uh, still getting all of the processes back up and rebooted. I love everything about it. Um, Silent, I do have one question for you uh, before we, we move forward, which is, does the new face have the scar? Yes, it does. All of her faces still have the same scar. She always keeps it. It's the one defining mark. She feels that she definitely earned that scar. So she yeah. always leaves it. I love that. Okay. So we see Sila's new, Sila 919's new face, new hair, new catchphrase, which is apparently cash for gold. Uh, and no, as that was the we... malware. That was from the malware. <laughs> It could still be her new catchphrase. I love it. I love everything about it. Uh, cash now. That's it. That, that is obviously <laughs> what the virus was. Uh, so with that moment, as we await these ships uh, finding our four space adventures, we are going to take a brief little break here uh, because while Silent 919 is a non-organic person, the rest of us are humans uh, and need a stretch, need to rehydrate, need a bio, need libations, need whatever we need. And so do all of you. So go do that for a few minutes stretch get your water take your meds do whatever you need to do we will be back shortly and as always in the meantime enjoy some of the glorious fan art uh that has been sent to us and brought to our attention over the last week or so enjoy that we will be back to find out what the crew does at this new moon station shortly see you all in a moment testing you welcome back everybody uh glad to have you back glad you stuck around glad you got your bios and your hydrations and anything else you might have needed because uh, we are back uh the crew has been attacked on the moon of Hathare. Uh, something out there is stealing asteroids from the surface of the moon. Uh, and when they went to, in, when the crew went to investigate uh, these strange spherical ships with these tendrils uh, snaking out behind them began to fire upon the asteroid lasers on the moon, taking two of them out in rapid succession. Invicta attempted to grab the third laser and fight back but unfortunately the uh, guidance, manual guidance systems on those lasers leaves a bit to be desired. So the team was forced to flee Eli and Ikemba had prepped the pods ahead of time. They fled to another station and have moments before these strange ships are back on their position. Uh, everyone is preparing. Captain Silent 919 has rebooted, still has a bit of corruption, but it's parsed away for the moment. Uh, but she has rebooted into a new look uh, and uh, and the rest of the crew is there ready. Is there anything else uh, that we should know about y'all four's preparation for uh, inevitably these things are going to arrive at you before Bertrand and the Wistful Wish do? Because Eli sent the call and Bertrand's on his way, but it'll be a bit. Um, Invicta's just looking for another battle station Um yeah, it's identical in here, so you can sit back down and <laughs> glory be. Uh, you actually have three lasers, at least for the moment, that are all operational. Joy. Captain Silent 919, I saw that hand. How about you? Oh, this is an offhanded compliment that I have to make because somebody said something in the chat about their about the reservations with regard to the hair change. And I want to say as many times as I've been stopped by TSA and had my hair checked, I have so many ideas for what could possibly be there because it never has actually been there. So this is really exciting. And I ask that you just trust me and know that Sila is sitting in her chair right now and she is 
planning and she wants to know if there's any way that she can get into the system to update the like help the weapon systems like strengthen them a little bit oh i love that uh also professional role players ladies and gentlemen taking inspiration from every facet of real life uh love that yeah absolutely i think it'll be it'll be a test uh so start thinking about a dice pool for that to see if you can give uh if you can give invicta uh, a an asset, uh, a D8 asset is what it'll be. Alternatively, Sila, if you prefer to not risk rolling hitches, you can also spend, uh, how many plot points do you have now? Because I gave you, I think, one. So what does that put you at? Two or more? I'm only, sh oh, two, okay, yeah. Okay, so you can spend those two plot points to create an asset for Invicta uh, without having to roll. Basically the way it works is, and this is true for any of you, at any point, if you all wanna do something, if you wanna make use of something in the scene and make it sort of uh, narratively uh, relevant and make it an asset for a future die roll of yours, or yeah, die roll of yours, you can spend a plot point and turn something into a D6 asset. You can just out of, out of narrative thin air, create a D6 asset for yourself. If you want someone else on your team to be able to use it like Sila wants to do in this case, you do have to spend a second plot point to make it usable by other team members. Um, the assets that you create in that way only last for this scene. Once we're out of this scene, obviously, I mean, in this case, that seems pretty obvious and straightforward based on what you're doing. But in general, if you spend plot points to create assets, they only last for the scene, again, unless you spend an additional plot point to make it last to the end of the session. So all that makes sense? Throwing out some new mechanics. So Sila, would you like to try to roll to create this asset, which of course has risks, but means that the asset will be a slightly higher level, or do you just want to use plot points to create a slightly lower level, but risk-free asset? See, the way my dice are set up today, I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and use two plot points yep. and uh -huh. mm -hmm. <laughs> try to help out Invicta. I feel that. Okay. So, Sila, tell us about what it looks like when you plug in and juice them lasers. Ooh, sweet. So, one coil starts to pull out and you just see this beautiful cylindrical shape come out the side of Sila's head plug into the floor underneath like where her feet are she goes mm. down to the floor and it's going to connect to she's going to find a wire in the ground connect to the weapon system mm -hmm. and just kind of you'll see like her eyes kind of fluttering and that's just the code going around and she is just repairing like her hair goes through and it starts to repair the laser and the weapon system. And after yeah. she plugs into that, it snaps back. All right, we snap back and you see, you can see anyone who looks out at these lasers, because they're, they're all somewhat, at least somewhat visible from this station, the three lasers that are assigned to this station. You can see the cores of the lasers begin to sort of 
brighten and light up. Uh, and Sila, you get you get the sense that you wouldn't want to hold this supercharge for too long, but also it seems very clear that all four of you are aware that you likely won't be here for too long, so probably ain't gonna matter. Uh, and so they are ramped up and ready to do a little extra damage. Uh, so Invicta, if you do, uh, if and when you do take uh, another shot at these ships with the lasers from this station, you can add a D6 asset to your roll uh, an additional D6 D6 asset to your roll. Um, okay. From Sila's uh, supercharging of your lasers. I lie in Akemba. Anything we should know about here? Um, I think I said last time that I lie is heading back to the pod to get things set up after the communications was uh, handled. So uh, still doing that, just resetting everything, making sure that the goo is going to show up for the next uh, time, if, I, if that's something I need to check. Um, and then, hmm, I'm also going to check the, um, the exit door, because if okay. Bertrand comes in hot, then uh, I want to make sure that we're not going to get like blocked by the door for some weird reason, like it's not going to let us through. So I'm going to look at that too. I'm just basically covering our exits. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Great. We're going to have fun with that in a minute. Ikemba, anything else we should know? I know Ikemba's sort of getting settled, taking in the situation like you told us at the end of the, uh, right before the break. Uh, any any updates? No is all right. Uh, he's just trying to like, at this point, he's still kind of like, he understands what's going on. He's kind of like mm -hmm. trying to gather and be of assistance. So he's like checking any kind of like systems near him to just like make sure that uh, there's nothing out of place and if there's anything that he can help with he's ready to do it all right i love it let's go ahead and head back to the roll screen because we've actually got a few things to take care of over there so let's hop over All right, so the first thing I want to start with uh, is once again, these these ships, uh, you can sort of feel them, right, as they approach. Uh, they're still hard to spot. Whatever sort of cloaking or stealth technology they have is, is still, you know, going strong. But you can feel the vibration uh, as, the, as the ships approach your location. So uh, I think we'll begin with Invicta. Uh, same sort of deal that we're doing here. Is there anything we should know about? You've got three lasers now, uh, <clears throat> which, which will be helpful for you. Uh, anything else we should know about? Um, before I line up to fire, mm -hmm. I glance over at uh, Sila, Ikemba, and Ilai. Are we going to try talking first or do we shoot first? Because <laughs> I can do either. Shoot first, speak your language. <laughs> All right, then. Yeah. I feel like they've shown us they're intending to fire upon us, so mm -hmm. we should probably respond in kind. Invicta shot first. Let's go. That's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, so you'll put that dice pool together. Uh, you can add a D6 for the supercharge uh, okay. that that Sila at gave you. And you can also add a set, because you have multiple uh, lasers that are still functional at this point, uh, if you would like to also add a D8 for the laser itself. Uh, or the lasers, I should say, plural, themselves, uh, you can add that as well. Totally up to you. Again, you know, we know, particularly with D6s, a little bit less so, but also a little true with D8s. The more dice you have, the more likely that you'll roll high, but also that's one more die that you might roll a hitch on. So it's always a balancing act. Yeah, so I'm gonna do intense and no. 
Great, yeah. Uh, tell us about Intense. We, I don't know that you've used that distinction yet. Uh, Invicta is very since intense. <laughs> well, yeah, since, since yeah. like an hour ago. Uh, Invicta is <laughs> very intense. She's very purposeful. And uh, because she's had to fight so hard for her place as a high and old blade keeper, like intense is the mode of operation when she is at war. So this is a very intense situation. People are trying to kill us. She is going Absolutely. to try to kill them back. <laughs> absolutely um, absolutely i love intense all right we got that no mm -hmm. yeah knowledge of course because of well course. she's a smarty and you said i could do a d6 and a d8 mm -hmm. sure can d6 is from uh your captain and okay. d8 is because you've got multiple lasers at this point you know what let's go for it all right i, I have a full it. dice pool you do. All right. And you are kicking off this contest since these ships have just moved into range. So go ahead and roll to set my difficulty. Make sure I have my pool correct. I do not. There we go. Ooh. Oh, come on. All right. So uh, that is a nine the way it stands. Do you want to do any reorganizing of those dice at all? That's the highest total you'll get, but you could mm. move the D10 over to the effect die, which makes your total eight, but your effect die is a little bigger, which of course only matters if you win the, oh, there's so many ways to think about it. So up to you. Yeah. I'm going to leave it as is. Okay, all right, so that is a nine. Gonna pull together, uh, let's see, you have a stress. What is it uh, and how big is it? Oh God, I forgot. It was afraid um, and I think it was just, you just rolled one hit, so I think it was just a D6, right? Yes, it was afraid okay. and it was a D8, I believe. Oh, D8, okay. Yeah, you right, gave me D8 case, of afraid. I'm gonna go ahead and use that as well. I'm gonna toss that into my pool as well. Um, hopefully. Uh, All right, let's see, here we go. Nine is the number to beat. Mm -hmm. Okay, I did get a hitch. So if you would like to spend a plot point, you can buy that hitch off of me, that opportunity technically is what it called when I do it, uh, and step down your afraid stress automatically if you would like. And I can use that against you. Uh, so this would just be to lower your current afraid stress, which means that I wouldn't then in future tests be able to use that D8 against you. You would step it down to a D6, so I would only be able to add a D6 to future pools. Hmm. Let's do it. Okay. So spend that plot point, step that afraid down. Uh, now my total was a 13, so I did beat you, so it's up to you. Uh, do you want to give in here? Uh, you will fail at what you were trying to do, but you will get a plot point and you will get to participate in the narration of how it goes. Or you can press your luck and roll against my 13 with that same dice pool as before. Mm. What does the group think? <laughs> Do we go again since we've got a uh, Captain Sila nine one nine on our side? Mm, I think I think we should maybe. Well, it's just about a different character. <laughs> um, I think we should um, probably stay. I, Bertrand knows where we are. Uh, let's try and fight it out for a bit longer. All right, Kemba. Right. As a board, whatever the party supports. Captain, my captain.
Click on this link to find out now. <clears throat> um, <laughs> yes, we should continue and make our plans for our escape. Uh, all right. We're going to have to run some diagnostics on you later. Hedge and bets there. I love it. All right. Um, it was intense. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, knowledge. And I had a six and an eight. You did. All right. So, 13 is the number to beat. Whatever you believe in. <laughs> now's the time to speak up. This is exciting. We've got multiple roles in our, hey, there it is. Oh, good. That will do it. All right. So that's a 15, uh, which means that the ball is now in my court or in those ships court, uh, but they are certainly not going to back down either. So oh boy, uh, they are going to push it. Let's see. I've got this and one of those and two of those. And now I only get to add my dice pool does change a little bit because you step down that stress. So I only get to add a D6 instead of a D8 to this time. Okay. We're going to use it. So 15 is the number to beat. Off we go. Uh, uh, not even close. Okay. So a couple of things. Uh, I did roll another hitch. Uh, do, you, do you have any more uh, plot points, Invicta? I have one plot point. You got one left? Okay, so you can use that uh, to continue to step down that afraid stress, sort of building up your confidence here, step it down to a D4 if you like. Alternatively, at this point, depending on how you feel like this situation is going, if you feel like you're gonna be here for a while longer, you can also spend a plot point to step up that laser asset that Sila gave you for the rest of the scene and make it a D8 instead of a D6, up to you. Ooh. Or you can just save the plot point for later and hang on to it. I'm going to bank that plot point. All right, I think that is reasonable. So tell us what this looks like. You, uh, let's see, what was your effect die? Was a D8, which means, ah. So uh, tell us what the firefight looks like and then I will tell you the final uh, result of it again. Um, so Invicta's like, I got three lasers, let's do this. And she's super excited and she like fires them off in a row. And at first volley kind of skims it, not quite there. But then that second volley, though, she lands with each one. And you see, like, you know, like in movies when, when alien ships are getting attacked and you see the shield around the alien ship finally cracking, mm -hmm. you hear that impact. Yeah. And then you see, like, the cracks happening in the shield or whatever's covering the other ship. Yes, 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 yes. So all of that happens. Uh, and you all see... Uh, you hear this, you feel it, and you see it. Whatever Invicta has done has taken out the shields and the cloaking for this ship, and you just see way closer than they were before uh, this spherical ship with the tendrils, and it is fast approaching uh, y'all's station. It is clearly out of commission and crashing, a little bit in your direction, uh, but it is no longer firing on lasers, so that's good. Well, we should go. Um, yes, everyone into the transport pod. And like last time, I'm going to be the last one to get in my seat, but I'm going to get everyone situated and just hit gel buttons all day. And yes. then... <laughs> Uh, get myself situated and then like punch the button to, to head to the central station. 
uh, to head to the central station. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So you all, if you are amenable, can hop in there and uh, and you all arrive. Uh, gel goes up because again, we are we are pun we are pedaled to the metal, as it were. You've set it to go uh, basically atmosphere leaving speeds, but still on the moon. Uh, you all arrive back at the central station just in time. Well, actually. Oh, now, no. This is going to be a strange moment, uh, but we're going to do it anyway. So I'm going to do a couple of rolls here uh, against myself, I guess, uh, to see what what happens when you all arrive. So this is my difficulty roll and a, a 12, not bad. Okay, and then this and this and this and one of these and one of these. Okay, whoa, well that dive just, and a 13, and a couple of hitches, but this doesn't involve any of you all, so it's not gonna go great. Okay, great. So you all arrive at, uh, you all arrive at this central station, the one that you first arrived at when you got to, uh, when you got to the moon, uh, the one that leads directly back planet side. And as you all arrive there, two things happen sort of in rapid succession. One is that as the gel is draining and you all are coming to, again, to full faculties, you can see out of the view screen of the pod, you see perhaps the most welcome sight in the entire system, uh, which is the view of the Wistful Wish cresting over the horizon of the moon, uh, approaching you all. The other thing that happens though, which you can also see out sort of the other side of the viewfinder, is that the two remaining alien ships uh, have converged on your location and seem to have wisened up to what you all are doing. And so you watch as you all begin to unstrap yourselves from your chair and head to the pod bay, do pod bay doors, listen to me, head to the pod doors, uh, you all are rocked as those two remaining ships turn their ship's weapons onto not the lasers this time, but the station itself. And they take two focused blasts from these ship's cannons. And while the station itself is not completely destroyed, the sort of airlock portion and the, the corridor that leads from the pod to the station is completely taken out. It is just open moon space at this point and docking for the pod uh, and allowing you all easy access to the station is going to be difficult. What are you all doing? Is, are we in, cover like or at least concealment like can they see us actively or once we're out of the pod like there's a because what i'm trying to do is send the pod out with us without us in it we know that bertrand is coming but they they seem to wisen up to what we're doing so i'm trying to like counterplay by sending the pod out without us I love that. So there are, uh, there are, all, there is all of that piping on the surface of the moon, right? All of that, um, uh, all of that rose gold uh, irrigation piping. So what you could probably do is hop out of the pod and hide underneath some of that. Mm -hmm. uh, we will, uh, and then send the pod from there. And that would be easy enough. I don't even think that would require a test to do. So yeah, Eli's gonna say to the team, I think I have an idea. Uh, let's sneak under here really quickly. And once everyone's gathered underneath there, I'm gonna pop back up really quickly, hit the button, and then come back where the team is. All right, uh, team, any objections or anything we should know 
about whether or not you follow Eli's suggestion. I'm down with it. I just want to make sure that we, we're not going to get like pressurized and sucked out of what's left in the station, right? You can, uh, Eli can pressurize, can appropriately, well, I guess in this case, depressurize uh, the pod so that as long as you all are in your suits, not silent, I'm on nine, uh, you'll be fine. Okay. Because I just had the worst visual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I appreciate you looking out. Uh, but since you mentioned it, Eli can definitely address that. <coughs> Excuse me. So out you all go and uh, you you get there and you hit that pod and it zooms off uh, in the direction of, you know, some far off station that you just sort of, you know, crammed in whatever the farthest station was. Um, and, hmm, I lie, I think we won a contest for this. Sure. Not not necessarily to hide, but uh, I think we want something to, to trick these aliens into following the pod and not uh, you know, examining what's going on here. So tell me what you're thinking for this pool. Whew, this is a hard pool. Um, I'm gonna go with, uh, we are all a community because it's my team members here um, that we're, we're just trying to get out. And we're also trying to help out the Hotharaeans. So like it, they, de- they depend on us, their livelihood. So I'm gonna do one of those. And then I'm gonna do survive because Fight, focus, fly, influence, and untra- uh, and those don't really apply here. We're just trying to outwit and survive at the moment. So mm-hmm. I'll click on that one. And then value here, uh, I would say this is my duty just to make sure that we're all safe. So I'm going to go with those. Yeah, and you have very much made this uh, your duty. Absolutely. All right. So since it is a contest, you are actively opposing these creatures uh, and you are instigating it. You roll first to set our first difficulty. Oh, come on. <laughs> you I mean, asked for it. There's there's a five. I, I didn't roll hitches. So like, that's, that's exactly my what norm. I was going to say. You really that's can't fail here. It's the nice thing about instigating a contest is that you can't fail the first time out. Uh, unless you roll all hitches and get a botch, I guess. In that case, mm-hmm. yes, you you absolutely can. Uh, okay, so the number for them to beat is a five for this round. Let's roll them up. And we have an eight. So actually not that much better, uh, but they did roll an eight. So do you want to press your luck or do you want to give in, get a plot point, uh, but, but spare yourself uh, more dangerous damage? Uh, I'm not going to afford to. I feel like any more foolishness puts all of us at, 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 at danger, essentially. So, um, uh. Giving in is a totally reasonable, uh, totally well, you say, reasonable choice. You say, you say it like that. <laughs> I am uh, using the game terms yeah, in yeah, my yeah, Cortex yeah. manual that are a little <laughs> bit inflammatory, I will admit. <clears throat> I'm not a, I'm, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not a gambling person normally, okay. so I'm not. Okay. Nope. All right. So you do get a plot point. Uh, and why don't you describe a little bit? So one of the ships is going to take off after the pod, but another, one of the other ones, uh, or the only other one, because Invicta destroyed one of them. Uh, the other one is going to stick around, not to, uh, not because it knows that you're there, but just to keep an eye on things. So why don't you, why don't you describe what this scene sort of looks like? Uh, since you gave in, you do get that right. Um, so what happens here is I, <clears throat> I will get the pod ready to go and head out. Uh-huh. Um, 
let's see what do i have here oh man this does this sound re- uh, okay so uh That's just weird. just to like because i feel like this is i messed up right so i'm gonna do something that i really wish i didn't do um but i'm going to when i send the pod back out uh mm-hmm. my my rucksack is gonna go with it so they're gonna know like we're not in oh, there wow rucksack left i'm like because i messed up so like sure. rucksack's going i'm losing that uh, and um, okay i forgot to grab it on the way out uh, uh, there you go the, the chaotic nature of what just happened Yep, so you all jump down. Eli gets back in, they hit the button. The rucksack goes, you watch as Eli sort of sees it and they're like, ah, uh, uh, or well, probably not like that. They're way more composed than I am. Uh, but off it goes and fortunately one of the ships does follow it, but another stays sort of hovering around. Uh, and and so you see, you all can see from underneath this piping, you can see that Bertrand and the Wistful Wish uh, have approached, but they they know the, the, the cloaking on all of these ships is now just down and so they can uh, Bertrand can also see this ship and doesn't want to get too close so you can see that Bertrand has sort of started hovering in the wistful wish a little ways out maybe a couple hundred meters out maybe a little bit more than that maybe yeah a couple hundred meters out uh so you all are gonna have to go that way uh in order to get aboard the wistful wish because Bertrand doesn't want to approach any closer um I'm gonna go to the comms table and hail Bertrand and look at the uh, rest of the torch team and be like, uh, and say to uh, Bertrand, um, get ready to pick us up. We're going to head this way. Um, pick us up in 20 seconds. And I just look at everyone like, we gotta, we gotta go and like hop on this ship, like low gravity, the whole nine, like we're running and jumping or swimming in some cases, just so that we can, <laughs> Just so we could get to a place that we know and we can fight back. Um, that's what I like communicates to Bertrand, unless anyone else wants to do something different. No, nah, I'm good. Get out of here. Let's go. All right. Uh, so you all begin to run and it's all about, you know, you all are trying to stay hidden. So underneath the the piping, but sometimes it's all the way down low to the ground. So you sort of have to leap over it, but stay low. It's a whole thing. So everybody is going to make a test. I am going to roll to set a static difficulty uh, because the terrain isn't changing. See Uh, y'all. We're keeping it simple. Uh, Oh, I am going to have to roll slightly differently because some of you have stresses. Ikemba and Eli, do either of you have any remaining stresses? I don't think so. No. I thought my stress was going last week. Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. I just wanted to be sure. All right. So let me, uh, here's what we'll do. I will roll a basic, uh, a basic difficulty, and then I will add stress dice to that for anyone. Okay. So the total is 10. That's what you have to beat. And I'm going to roll, let's see, Invicta has still a D6 of Afraid. So let me roll that to see if well, I rolled the same thing that I have on one of those dice. So uh, Invicta, your number to beat is also still just a 10. Uh, Silent 919, your corrupted stress actually isn't going to apply here. So I'm not gonna add that to your pool. So y'all put together some dice pools uh, for running, navigating, leaping, uh, getting to this ship over difficult and harsh terrain while still remaining hidden. You can put those dice pools together. If anyone wants to walk us through them, happy to hear it. But other 
otherwise, since you're all making one, feel free to just put them together uh, with your dice and roll at will, and we'll see who does what. Okay. Oh boy. As we do, uh, I will take, as you all are building those, I will take a moment and we will head over uh, to the Wistful Wish where Bertrand is just in a sweat, in the uh, running back and forth uh, between the engine room and the bridge. This must be how he managed to get to Torch headquarters in the first place, because he did pilot this ship by himself at some point. Um, also on board are, uh, oh, I've lost my papers, but anyway, also on board are also the station master uh, and the, uh, oh, and the grand minister of agriculture who insisted on coming along on what they seem to think uh, is still some sort of salvageable uh, diplomatic commission. So Bertrand is just doing his utmost to pilot this ship all on his own uh, with no assistance from either of those two passengers. Uh, and let's see how you all do at arriving at the ships. Anyone have a dice pool ready? Yep. 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 All right. So uh, Eli, let's start with you since we just had yours. I see you've got Lightbringer, Fly, and Knowledge. I love all of that. Give us a roll. Your number to beat is something low that I don't remember. Uh, it's not low, it's 10. Oh, it's 10. Oh, 14. look at that. We're going to make it. Like, it's nothing. <laughs> you are fine there. All right, so All right, cool. uh, we'll be able to get a little bit from Eli on how their their flight over the coils goes. Who's next for us? I'll do it. All right, Akemba, you've got Musalian, Survive, and Knowledge in your pool. Yo. 10 is the number to beat. Rolled. Rolled. Mine's taking a minute to... Oh, there it is. 15. Akemba also... Uh, beautifully heading over there. We'll get back to Akemba's uh, description in just a minute. Uh, Sila and Victor, who wants to go next? All um, right, Sila, do it. <laughs> Sila's got do it right or get out of my way. I feel like there's probably a lot of getting out of my way here. <laughs> Notice and exploration and that, what's that D8 there? What's that one for? Because um, I don't know how to make it go away. Oh. <laughs> Can you click if you can click it and drag it out? Uh, great. If not, we'll just disregard one of the d8s. No worries. There we go. Ooh, fixed it. All right, fixed uh, it. Ten's the number to beat. Fifteen. Y'all's is rolling gangbusters. All right, so you are out of here. No problem. Last but not least, let's check in with Invicta. All right. Um, I've got going on intense. No, and power because who oh boy mm -hmm. makes this to me and uh just in case we need it i threw in my six for weapons okay look, all right look if you, you can know, use it absolutely look you never know when you got a nut so <laughs> all right roll that up let's amazing just gonna let that let that be what it is uh <laughs> all right so all let's right. roll up that pool Let's see what happens, because this is a high number for me to beat with all eights in here. Tens, it is a lot of eights. Tens, the number to beat. I have faith, I believe. Oh, not oh, quite. Okay. And a hitch. So but in that much. case, I am going to buy that hitch off of you. Um, 
and I am going to buy it for an injured stress. Uh, and since you failed, I'm going to step it up from a D6. So you've got a D8 of injured as you, uh, basically mm. you're running along, you all are running, uh, and we see all of you leaping over, avoiding, you know, pitfalls and trips and things like that. Unfortunately, Invicta misses one of them. It's also, I will say, the fact that the three of you are doing this, are doing so well at this is impressive because remember, this is moon gravity that y'all are just running in. That's tricky. So there is one part where there's sort of a, there's a, a, a bit of a like ravine, eh, ravine is excessive. There's like a crack in the ground, right? And it, you all leap over uh, one of the pipes that's sort of right before it to clear that. And Silent 919 and Akemba and Eli all managed to clear both the pipe and the sort of hidden crack crevice behind it. But Invicta doesn't quite clear it, stumbles uh, and gets her leg caught in uh, in that crevice just momentarily, just long enough that she twists something uh, in her ankle. She's okay, she can keep running, but it does slow things down a minute. Ikemba, you just watched your friend uh, run and fall and like uh, not, not mortally wound themselves, but like serious injury and you know in a very tense situation. Uh, what what is what's going through your mind? Nothing's going through Kimba's mind. He just like kind of like <laughs> breaks, like stops himself and like bounds in her direction. Uh huh. And it's just like, do you need assistance? Because he knows she doesn't like to be touched. <laughs> um. And just like got his hand out ready. Like if you if you got if you need help, I got you. Like. And she reaches out because she's like, you know how when you've twisted your ankle and you'll be okay in a minute, but you need that like, ooh, mm -hmm. mm, not sure if it's broken. Mm. So she grabs Akemba's hand. She's like, just need a minute. And the like, clumsy that, one. He's like, he's got her, like she's grabbed his wrist. He's got her wrist and he just kind of like bounds, like just like a mini Akemba. Just like kind of pushes off back toward the group. <laughs> It's just that yes. smash. It's like it's heading back it. toward the squad. Yep, absolutely. And and like I said, you know, Akemba's uh, sorry, Invicta is hurting, but still totally, totally capable of of running and making it to the wistful wish. Uh, and you, you know, you were there. Bertrand has that enormous cargo bay door open with the ramp, so that y'all, all you have to do is, you know. Moon gravity is suddenly about to come in big old handy because your ups are new and improved here on the moon. Uh, so you all can leap up into, excuse me, into the cargo bay there uh, and Bertrand sort of immediately, uh, you know, begins to close the cargo bay uh, and you can hear him yelling from the bridge, uh, checking in to make sure that you're all okay. Uh, and, and, and do you, uh, where do you all run? Or is it battle stations? Is oh, it yeah. back to the planet? Oh, what yeah. is battle stations? But yeah, uh, we're on and popping, we're battle stations. <laughs> all right, I love that. Okay, so as you run to battle stations, uh, uh, Silent 919 heads to the captain's chair. You pass Bertrand, uh, who's running for the engine room and he looks like he wants to give all of you a great big hug, but this is, also, this is a big situation. And also there are two other 
Hothraeans on board and he's a little self-conscious. Uh, so Silent 919 heads that way. Eli heads to uh, comms and, and sensor array and Invicta and Ikemba head to their, uh, their tactical stations. Ikemba, as you arrive in your tactical station and sort of get yourself situated, there is that sort of quiet. Uh, you know, the two gun stations are a little bit removed from the, the, the um, bridge. Uh, so it's quiet. It's a little quieter out where you are. And in that quiet, you can't help but flash back for a moment to Invicta sort of having fallen, having injured herself. You didn't know before you asked how bad it was, whether she was going to be able to continue running to, to get out of there herself. And all of a sudden in your mind's eye, Invicta there on one knee with her leg in that crevice sort of gets overlaid by another image. Uh, so let's head over to our other little setup here. And I will then ask you what you see. All right, so as you're there, you, you, you have that image of Invicta on the ground. And then all of a sudden you see another person injured, having fallen on the ground. Tell us about that person. That person is a Kemba. Yeah. Uh, and he's kind of like, he's just remembering his, his past. He remembers being in somewhat similar of a situation mm. in his teenage years. And it just kind of like, it brings him pause. He's just, it's just quiet yeah and in his head yeah definitely and so he is paused and quiet and in that way that like our brains can slow time down we can think through you know whole whole hours of memories in in mere moments uh in those few minutes uh before space combat is joined here on the wistful wish uh ikemba remembers more about his teenage self injured lying in that in that crevice but you also get memories before that moment so we see a young akemba running through the forest of musalia of vatoa you're heading out of the city of nuanual uh heading out and uh we watch as akemba arrives at his intended destination. And we see in front of him, as he steps in between two trees, we see in front of him what at first could easily be mistaken for uh, just a particularly um, naturally symmetrical sort of grove in this forest. But upon any sort of closer inspection, you begin to see movement uh, and you see figures sort of uh, identify themselves to you walking around out here. And, and they were easy to miss because many of them uh, are green in color. Their skin and their hair is green, or some of them are sort of bright, the bright colors of the forest flowers. You see uh, one individual who has sort of a, a light green skin and body, but their hair is this sort of riotous afro, very similar to, to Silent 919's new look, except that it is, it is 
purple, well, I guess it's lavender, uh, because the hair is in fact the little, uh, the little buds and the little, the little petals of lavender uh, covering this person's head. There are three small little individuals that are the sort of mottled brown color of bark. And these three sort of children uh, run around, one of them with a sort of almost an acorn top looking head of hair that is just slicked down on him uh, as these three little children run around. And you can see that the buildings here are built, uh, not built, they are grown, they are created in, in and amongst the trees here. Uh, large arches in the roots of enormous trees serve as shelters, branches uh, serve as walkways, as high up walkways, uh, knots in trees serve as hands holds for climbing amongst the levels. So this is where we see young teenage Akemba. And, and Akemba, why don't you tell us why you're here? The first time Akemba stumbled upon their little village, he just was in awe of the fact that they, like they look human, but also look like the forest. And the first time he saw it, he's just silenced with just awe and curiosity. Uh, he's a big fan of wanting to understand things. So he kind of like just sits, he sat back and he would come to this spot months at a time and just watch just to yeah. see what they do. Like, are they just like us? This is, this is sweet. This is a group of people that he hasn't had the chance to meet or hang out with, but uh, he regularly would come and hang out in the same spot and in the same spot in um, early afternoons. Mm -hmm. Like right after the sun, it's apex. It's kind of like gets into the afternoon a little bit and he's just watching from the branches, uh, expecting that he's not being seen, but it seemed like every day they would gather in that spot and they were practicing the things that he would come to understand as the bio priest profession. Yes. Yes, exactly. So he would watch them just move their hands and create. Yeah. You watch as that group of children one day, they're running around playing, you know, space tag, I don't know, playing a game and, and one of them falls and, and injures themselves. And you see, they injures themselves uh, not not like a scraped knee, like they get a, a good sized gash as they sort of uh, slide down some loose shale. And you watch as they, they bring the child over and they, like you said, they, just as their buildings are grown from nature around them and just subtly nudged to be in shapes that they want. So too are these Solansi individuals, for that is what they are. Uh, so too are, are some of these Solansi individuals able to coax the body's natural growth in certain ways. And they're able to heal that boy of his gash. You see all manner of things uh, that are created and healed and mended and formed uh, from from these, what you eventually, as you said, come to learn our bio-priest abilities as you're watching. What is Akemba, obviously Akemba wants to do more than just watch them, right? <laughs> so like, what is that, what is that journey at first? What it like, does, does he just like try and do mystic? What, what does that look like when Akemba first decides to do more than watch? For him, it was more of a moment of 
confusion, but also a moment of extreme, like, I got to do that. (laughs) Like, everybody has that moment of figuring out a thing. They see somebody do something like, oh, no, I need to learn how to do that immediately. And with his mind, the way that it works, life is logical. It's like, this makes sense. If you could fix somebody like that, why would you not? So he just, like, tries to move his fingers like they moved them. And, like, (laughs) nothing happens. But he's just like, I'm going to figure this out. So he comes back to this point uh, month after month and just watches them. And one day, he just, like, has a little scratch that he got climbing the tree that he gets into. And he kind of just, like, like, you know, that, that moment of just like, mm, and he like looks and he's just like, and he just kind of does some of the hand movements and then he sees a little bit of mending. And he's just like, oh! and then he didn't know how loud he was. So uh-huh. he was like, uh-huh. and then like he looks up and he, and he just sees them look at him and he's just like, yeah. Just the whole crew, they had just completed a, a mending and there are like eight or nine, not all bio priests, but eight or nine Salansi that just snap their heads up in your direction. And then he's just like, hi. And just kind of uh, like hoping that they're not like, like he, he's seen them for a while. He knows that they're not like aggressive amongst each other, but he's very curious and hoping that they're not aggressive toward him. Right, right. And they are not immediately aggressive towards you. Uh, although you can tell not all of them are super pleased that you're there. You can see that plain as day on their faces. Uh, and you watch as they sort of uh, very quickly sort of converse to each other, uh, with each other. And they look up uh, and they just decide to ignore you this time around. There's no telling whether they've seen you before, uh, but they don't they don't invite you down, but nor do they shoo you away. And he's just like, he figures they don't want to talk to him. So he's just like, okay. Just kind of like hops down off the tree and just starts on his way home. He's, yeah. he's, he's worried. He's like, they saw me. They talked, and they didn't invite me down, so maybe I've overstayed my welcome. So he just kind of like, totally. He he heads home, but like with a little bit of aggression. He's just like, all right, I'm out. So he's just like trying to like parkour his way through the trees. He's trying to be fancy. He's just like worried that they're chasing him, but also mm. figuring that they're not. But he's just like trying to be extra. He's like, oh, I'm gonna leap over this branch, and then like he just right. like lest we forget, he's a teenager. So he's just like doing backflips and just like flipping over stuff. And he's like, I'm on the way home. Yeah. And he kind of yeah. keeps glancing over his shoulder. Like, okay, they're not chasing me. Nice. And then he just gets a little bit more confident and just like starts to like, he saw a branch. He's like, sweet. And he just like pops off the branch, boosts himself high, like tries to do a nice backflip and then like lands slightly weird. Mm. And he like kind of like lands on his side, but like kind of pushes himself a bit. And it's off his left side that he kind of like just leans and doesn't see it, but there's a crevasse mm. on the other side of that branch. 
and he pushes himself right kind of into it to where he just kind of wedges himself mistakenly of course but he just kind of like lands and then just like it's and he's like trying to move and he realizes he's stuck mm-hmm. yeah yeah stuck uh probably injured you know your arm like you said let you landed on that it's not you know there's sort of that adrenaline so and and maybe a little shock so the full pain of whatever has happened there uh which doesn't doesn't look good if akimba takes a moment to look at it uh but that sort of full pain hasn't quite hit you yet uh and and in that moment that you have before it really fully hits you what is ikemba's last conscious thought he's like i was just trying to get home i hope everybody's okay and then and he kind of just passes out he just passes out, the pain catches up to him and he passes out. And we, in this memory, uh, you know, you then remember sort of uh, montage style cause that's how real life memories work. Uh, <laughs> we see hours pass uh, with Akemba sort of flitting in and out of consciousness. Nighttime comes on and he is still stuck. Eventually, you know, you regain full consciousness, uh, but you're stuck in there. What do you try to do to either, uh, well, now that you've started to be able to, to figure out how the biopriests work, I don't know if it's about trying to heal yourself or trying to unstick yourself. What is Akemba doing here in these little montages that we ultimately see that night, all through the next day and, and, and all through even that next night and beyond? Uh, what sorts of things does Akemba do well, he kind of remembers, like he wakes up and he remembered seeing an animal back in this village mm-hmm. that was injured. Mm. And he saw that, like he just remembered like trying the same thing he tried on himself, but like, an, like a dog, it was limping. And he was just like, mm-hmm. you try something. And he like, and he, he moves his hands and kind of unlocked something and he kind of understood a little more about life and yeah. his mind is like okay this is not this doesn't make sense so he just he's trying to move the pieces of what he like he sees above the pain area he just sees pieces so he's like moving them and changing them or trying to and mm-hmm. The dog just like Yike! and then just looks up and then like trots a little bit. Just kind of looks at his leg and looks back up at Akemba and he's he's worried. He kind of like just bolts, but with no limp. So I'm excited. And he remembers that uh while pinned, and he was like, okay. He in his mind is like, all right, I've done this before. And he kind of flashes that he's done many. He's done this many times with animals around his home, but the first time he tried it on himself was in the tree watching <laughs> Salansi. So he kind of looks at his arm and just like, just trying to like, trying to move a little bit and not trying to move the ground from around him. He, mm-hmm. he doesn't get that same wrongness 
when he looks at the ground and he attempts anything. So he just figures, okay, this this won't work with the ground. But he looks at his arm and he's just trying to like fix the things that look wrong in his yeah. mind. And he feels like the rock is blocking his arm's ability to close. Cause he kind of he looks and there's a gash in yeah. his arm. Yeah, yeah. In his bicep. And he's trying to move his arm in the way that makes sense to fix it. And he moves one finger incorrectly and just uh, the gash widens. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, and just immediately like, ah, he's just like the, the most sharp pain immediate that he could feel. It just, it went through his, it started in his arm and pulsed through his entire body. And then he just passes out again. Yeah. And so we we head back into that montage. You know, we see that the second night, uh, the second night pass, the second day pass, night begins to come on. A third night here uh, in this crevasse uh, begins to come on and you have not been able to free yourself, but you do hear movement in the trees after after several days, uh, at this point you are weak. You've it is rain, so you've been able to get uh, some some hydration. But you're hungry. Uh, you're weak. You are tired. You're in pain. But you do hear some movement, uh, or and you do hear some movement. I don't know. It depends on whether or not a Kemba thinks that's a good thing. Uh, but you hear some movement coming in your general direction in the trees. He doesn't care about the movement. He's hoping that it's some kind of help, and yeah. he's just. Hello, please help me. Please. And as you look up and you're calling, you see cresting over the top of the, the crevice that you're down in, you see that same riot of lavender petals uh, poke. And then it is followed by a face, a green skinned face that looks down and just sort of takes you in, shakes its head. Uh, and at that point, Ikemba, you lose consciousness again. Uh, and you wake up uh, lying in a uh, this sort of um, bed. It is very obviously supposed to be a bed, but the frame of it is really just sort of a tree root outcropping. The bedding that's on there is uh, are these sort of enormously long and very, very supple like they sort of look like almost, well, we would think of them looking as almost like palm leaves. They're just these enormous broad uh, leaves, but they're very, very soft and supple that's being used as the bedding. Uh, and and that Solansi woman with the lavender hair is sitting beside you and sees you coming to consciousness. And uh, she says, good, you have awoken. He just kind of like rubs his head and just, I'm sorry, I, I hope I haven't upset anyone. Do not move too much. No one is too upset with you, but neither have we healed you. And uh, you can look down and see that they've sort of immobilized your arm a bit uh, and they've cleaned it, but they haven't done anything to it yet. Uh, and she goes on to say, uh, for one, it is better if you are uh, conscious uh, during the process. Uh, and for two, you are a stranger and 
we would never share our gifts unless requested. But now that you are awake, before we are discussing your trespasses here in our domain, uh, would you like us to repair the damage that was done? He's kind of like blown away. He's just, yes, I would, I would love this. Um, you said trespasses. I would like to understand more of this and also how can you fix it? So many questions. That is good. But first things first, your arm needs attention. We can heal it so that there is nary a mark to remind you of this unfortunate fall. And she begins to uh, move toward, uh, toward your bed and towards your arm. No, no. Um, she stops. I, I like the idea of a scar there. It's, to me, that, that I feel that is a lesson. Mm-hmm. If this makes sense to you. It does, in fact. And again, this is good. You appreciate the lessons that you learn in life. You will learn many more, I think. I will leave Iskar, as you request. It may, in fact, require more time on my part, but for this cause, I will happily give it. And he's, he's listening, but also remembering what made him run in the first place. And he's, he's like, I've been watching, I've been watching here for a while. And I saw that boy, yes, I believe it was a boy, fall and gash his knee. And you fixed it. I... I saw when you all saw me in the tree. I was excited because I tried that on myself and it worked. I've been watching for months now. I'm sorry for trespassing, but her eyes got her eyes got huge when you said you tried it on yourself and she very quickly moves over to you and begins sort of very gently touching around your arm. Uh, they've clearly given you some sort of a pain, something. It, it hurts, but not so much. So she sort of starts and she closes her eyes and you see that she is beginning to do what you have watched them do so often. But to feel it yourself in full force is very, very strange. You can almost feel that she is following the muscles and the veins and the arteries, and she is experiencing this part of your body, this damaged, injured part of your body. And she is, you can feel her just tell it in a, in a, a language that can't truly be called really a, a language. It's not a spoken thing, but you can feel her just telling your flesh to mend itself but there are other messages too she is clearly probing and looking and searching and you can feel that and she just her her face goes from horrified to confused to just like lightly amused and she says you are impressive 
you are also not very good at this yet. That was incredibly dangerous, what you did without the proper training. I've had no training. I've just been watching you all. Like that, watching you mend his knee was amazing. And I've seen you do this for months, and I've, I've healed pets in my, my home. There were animals, they, they were injured, and it makes no sense to me. It, it's, it just feels as if I could feel the wrongness of the injury, and I just try to tell it to move, and I just, I feel like I've moved it into where it should be, and I've just been amazed, and very confused, but it's, it's amazing what you can do. I just wanted to try this for myself. You have so many words for what you experience, all of them different to the way that I perceive what it is we do. You will make quite an interesting student if you would consent to being such. But for now, lie still. This is a delicate process. And like he's as still as can be, but he's just still kind of like hovering around student. And like yeah. he, the, the smile on his face is as big as can be. He's just Aww. overjoyed. He's just like student. And he just kind of like lays his head back and just is, I love it. is just overjoyed. Like he can feel like he, he's he's listening to her, watching her continue to mend him but mm. loving it and just yeah it's like christmas morning to him he's like nope it's, it's, <laughs> it's we're good and he's just like excited so like he's trying to keep yeah. himself still and like not move too much but he's also just like vibrating with excitement great and uh with that that feeling of sort of excitement that you remember that reminds you that uh you know life is logical that you learned in in the intervening you know months and years between then and now you learned so much about life about the way that it works uh, both sort of like metaphorical life but also literally about the way life works uh and you remember that enthusiasm you remember that excitement you remember that feeling of being able to do something that you don't really fully understand, but it turning out all right. And all of that propels you back into your tactical station on board the Wistful Wish, where we will shall go back to rejoin the rest of the crew for the last few moments here uh, as we, as we, uh, as we get these last few moments, no rolls. I saw a panicked face from our I was, I lovely was, producer who was like, rolls, no out. rolls. <laughs> uh, also, I talked through the wormhole. I didn't know that was possible. I got my sound sucked. It doesn't matter. Uh, so we are back on the Wistful Wish. Uh, Bertrand and the uh, the station master and the, uh, the grand minister of agriculture are all there. You all have burst in, run to your stations wherever those are. Uh, 
and we call up the uh, the view screen and you can see coming at you all uh, from the crest of the other side of the moon are these two spherical ships with the tentacles trailing behind them. There is a moment as they crest uh, into view that the station master and the uh, the grand minister are both on the bridge with you all, and they just jaws open, trunks limp, ears at attention, see these things, and the station master looks completely and utterly flabbergasted. The grand uh, minister of agriculture looks terrified, and she stares at them for a moment, raises a hand to her mouth and just says, no, and runs for the crew quarters area of the ship, runs into a currently empty crew cabin, shuts the door, you can hear the locks engaging. And that's where we're gonna leave it for this week. Thank you all so much. I know we sort of have now ended two weeks in a row with these mysterious ships on the horizon, but you know, we're not on the moon anymore. Now they're on the horizon and we're on the wistful wish. It's different, leave me alone. Thanks so much for hanging out, everybody. Uh, I super appreciate all of, you, all of you. I have had a blast. I'm glad we got to do some more flashbacks. Uh, those of you who have been with us all nine weeks now um, probably know that next week we'll get some more flashbacks for our remaining two space adventures. Find out a little bit more about Silent 919 and uh, Eli's pasts. Uh, but for now, we leave you until next Sunday, our, uh, our 10th session of 12. So just three sessions left this season for Into the Motherlands. Thank you all so much for hanging out. I super appreciate all of you. Let's go ahead and go around and have everyone let us know who they are, where we can find them on the interwebs, what else we can watch them doing and listen to them doing uh, so that you can support all of these fantastic role players in everything that we do. Same order as before, which means that we will start with you, Christina. Hi, my name is Christina Ariel. That's spelled K-R-Y-S-T-I-N-A. A-R-I-E-L-L-E. And if you spell it wrong, it's not me. But you can find me on the internet, mostly on the Twitters and the Tumblers and the Instagrams. We know we're all the y'all. And you can also find me on Mondays on twitch.tv backslash CNE games, where myself and Mr. Mark Mir, who some of you may know as Commander Shepard from Mass Effect, do a voiceover commentary game where there's a playthrough of the game Idol Champions and we play all of the characters in the game. It's really exciting. You have to watch it. It's like watching Sports Center, but not <laughs> any sports. It's blood sports technically. And then you can watch me right after that show along with Michael over here, Mr. Michael Kritz. And we are on Rise of the Veiled Alliance, Journey to the Obsidian Spire on twitch.tv underscore Twitch.tv backslash LFM network underscore LFM underscore network. You know what? It'll be on my Twitter. So it's just so check the it. Twitter. And it's really exciting because in a couple episodes, I don't know where we're at in this little thing. I get to have a scene where I fight with myself. It's amazing. Yes. And you can also find me here hanging with my peeps on Into the Motherlands. So bye. Have a good week. Make good choices. Oh, what excellent advice to sign off with. Let's keep going around, Michael. 
Hey folks, uh, Michael Sinclair II here. Um, yeah, excellent session. Um, totally good time. Uh, yeah, you can find me at um, Michael Kritz on Twitter uh, and on Instagram, a bunch of places on Twitch as well. Um, I am, like Christina said, I'm on the Veiled Alliance, um, which you can catch at LFM underscore uh, network. Yeah, first part twitch.tv and uh yeah it's a phenomenal show um and then i'm also on faith forge academy which is a light bright amazing um D, &D uh podcast and it's just a really good time with excellent people and that episode's dropped friday so just look where you find podcasts and then i am i think those are the two yeah other than this and then uh other than that i am a college student um so Finals are coming up, so I'm not going to be streaming. But uh, I think after during the the Christmas break or the holiday break, you'll you'll see me um, play lots of World of Warcraft because that's what I've kind of been doing when I have some time. <laughs> yeah, love it. Good way to spend the holidays. What can I say? Yeah. Continuing on around DJ, what you up to these days? Everything. Hi, I'm DJ Knight. I like to play video games here on Twitch. You can find me at DJ Knight doing pretty much all the things: Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. TikTok even like I don't use it but it's there. It's uh, there. I've been playing. I've been spending a lot of time in Miles Morales recently because that Spider-Man game is top tier, uh, and mm -hmm. I'm super excited to get more into it. Uh, in offline time, I've been playing a little bit of Yakuza like a dragon, which is also uh, impressive for other reasons. Like that game is weird, but in the awesome way. Like. They took a, it's like Saints Row, but not. <laughs> like, think of Saints Row. Like, if you've ever played Saints Row, like the first one, not like the rest of them that went to weird places, like the first one where it was funny and also like had serious moments. That is literally Yakuza like a dragon to me, and it makes me happy. And also, George Takei like voiced one of the commercials that they put on the internet, which to me was like, okay. I'm now more interested, which was funny is that I had already been playing it. So it was just like, wait a minute. They had George Takei as a part of this. Yes, please. And thank you. But, uh, but no, it's, it's a good time. Spider-Man's a good time. Uh, I like video games. Thanks for listening. I'm a shout out. <laughs> You're has, awesome for this hanging has out. Been, oh, this has been video game reviews with DJ. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. No, uh, <laughs> wear a mask. I love well. it. Like seriously, wear a mask. Like don't yes. question it. Like, you know, it. two layers Keep minimum, two layers, two ply mask, put it on. When you're not in the house, like <laughs> care about house. other people, like it's it's important. Like, mm. all right, well, video game and life advice from DJ. We appreciate you. Thank you so much, and thanks for the flashback tonight. That was a blast. I was impressed. Like, thank you. Yeah. Can we get, oh can we get a round of applause for Eugenio, please? That was. Oh. impressive fam like thank you and seriously don't be an ass wear a mask do it <laughs> all of that yes <laughs> thank you sir thank you thank you last but most certainly not least our intrepid host this evening uh tanya hello i'm tanya cypher tier you can find me here depending on what day of the week it is i'm doing either gaming maybe some mini painting i don't know one day i'll get back to the manticore it started um, and otherwise, you can catch me earlier in the day on Sunday over at twitch.tv Rivals Waterdeep, where I am GMing season eight of Rivals. And oh boy, jail is interesting. 
and not in any kind of a fun way, said any <laughs> member of this cast. So uh, let's see if they can actually get out of Revel's End. So come hang out with us. We put out a podcast, put it, put it out on YouTube as well. Otherwise, stop by here, Cypher Tier, everywhere on the internets, and say hi, be nice. And one last thing, if you are fundraising through Tiltify, December 1st through 24th, I am one of their Tiltify Santas. So if you're fundraising, tag it Claws Your Cause, and maybe one of us will stop in and uh, help you out with your goals. Oh, love that. Be Fancy. sure and do that. Check out more information. That's hashtag Claws Your Cause. Uh, so make sure and tag that if y'all are doing some fundraising on Twitch or otherwise this season. Uh, I am Eugenio. Uh, you might know me around the internet as DM Jazzy Hands. I've been your storyteller this evening. You can follow me on Twitter and here on Twitch at DM Jazzy Hands. Uh, busy week coming up. So tomorrow, Monday, uh, tomorrow night, I have got at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. You can find me over on the Roll20 app Twitch channel for more space, but different space. Uh, I am a player in a game of Burn Bright over there, GM'd by Celeste Conowich from the Venture Maidens D&D podcast, if y'all are familiar. Uh, we are having a blast over there. That is a more science fantasy sort of game. Uh, so a little bit different vibe, but also a ton of fun. So that's tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursday afternoons, I stream on my channel. We play Dragon Age Inquisition. We play Baldur's Gate 3, uh, all kinds of stuff. So y'all can catch me there. This Tuesday is one week that we are playing Harper's Tale Hope and Redemption over on Mini Terrain Domain uh, channel here on Twitch. Uh, we have a good time. Well, two weeks ago in our last session, uh, my gnome character got a uh, corgi the size of a mastiff who is also a like seventh level spellcaster as a mount. It's really great times. You all should come hang out. Uh, so that's on Tuesday night. Uh, then Thursday night this week, uh, I am over on Little Red Dots channel playing a game of Overlight. We're doing an encore series there. So you can find me there on Thursday night. Lots of chances to catch me and all of this fantastic crew before next Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for episode nine of Into the Motherlands. Be here and find out what happens and also get those other two awesome flashbacks. But for now, don't go anywhere because we are going to be raiding T-Pain who is live right now on Twitch. So we are going to go give some Motherlands love over there to T-Pain. So hang out and raid with us. And in the meantime, please stay safe. Please stay healthy. Please wear a mask over your nose and mouth and happy gaming, y'all.